Blog Talk Radio. My minions, welcome to the Ballons. My name's Tom Mark Wassell, President Day. You have stumbled across the number one internet sports talk show in the world. That's right. It does not get any better than this on a Saturday morning. It's opening weekend for the NFL. We've already got one game underneath the books. Can we say the New England Patriots got scalped? Unbelievable. Well, not really. Very believable loss. It just goes to show that the New England Patriots aren't the immortal gods that everybody in the mainstream media has built them up to be. So we'll talk about that later on in the show. College football breaking rank. We're going to be breaking down all the biggest uh, college football games. We've got some IndyCar talk. In fact, we're standing uh, by to be talking with Matt Embry of uh, Popular Speed. We're going to be talking some IndyCar. And then at 9.30, we're going to be talking Richmond uh, NASCAR with uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway uh, Digest and Tyson of uh, OnPitRoad.com. And then we're going to get right into the NFL talk. Ed Kratz, our official uh NFL contributor calls us from the city of brotherly love, and uh, we're going to be talking about, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles and the NFL as it unfolds this weekend, and we're going to talk about that big loss to the New England Patriots, and then we're also going to be talking some Notre Dame football, college football, all the biggest uh, games in college football we'll be talking about later on uh, in the show. So stick around. It's about to get good right here on the Balance Radio Network. Taking a family of five to the amusement park can cost a small fortune. Oh, yeah. So to save some money, we thought, hey, let's bring the amusement park to us. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Step right up. Step right up, young man. Are you ready to ride the Wacky Waterfall? That's just the bathtub with the shower head running. Nope. It's the Wacky Waterfall. It's the shower, Dad. Waterfall. Wacky. There's an easier way to save. To get a free rate quote, go to Geico.com. Then buy online, over the phone, or at your local Geico office. It's O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stop in today and check out store-wide savings, plus earn double points on over 225 items. It's our way of saying thank you. If you're not already a member, sign up today during O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month. It's fast, easy, and free. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
and welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, President. Say happy Saturday to you. Let's jump right into it. Okay. All right, and welcome are, are back you, uh, to the balance. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, President. Say happy Saturday to you. Let's jump right into it. I'm right here. Okay, uh, I think we got Matt at Emory with us. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, President. Say happy Saturday to you. Let's jump right into it. Matt. Okay, I think we got Matt. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, well, uh, why don't we need to tr- have to turn down whatever your, your audio is and we're getting uh, really bad feedback there. Okay, uh, I think we got Yeah, I'm here. Okay, uh, Matt, can you hear me now? Yep. Okay, fantastic. Matt Embry of Popular Speed joins us. Uh, sorry about that. Sometimes in, in uh, live radio, when you have the audio in the background, it creates a lot of feedback. Uh, you've never been able to figure that out, but it is it is what it is. Uh, I know, uh, Matt, you've been busy. You haven't been able to join us over the last couple of weeks. Certainly, we've got some races underneath our, uh, underneath the belt. We're getting ready for Sonoma. We're getting ready for an uh, a IndyCar championship. That looks like it could be Joseph Newgard. Wait a minute. Maybe Scott Dixon. Wait a minute. Elio. Castaneda, Simon Pettijohn, or Will Power. Here is really anybody's game right now. Talk with us a little bit about the shape-up of the IndyCar Championship 2017. Well, I think right now it's looking real good for Scott Dixon. Uh, the clunker that Joseph Newgarden threw in uh, last week at the Glen, uh, not only poor strategy, but a very poor decision uh, coming out way too hot at the exit, exit hitting the barrier. Uh, I think it shows the uh, pressure is starting to get to Joseph. And uh, if you ask me, uh, you talk about the reason why he's in the, known as the Iceman, the cool demeanor for Scott Dixon. Uh, I find it very difficult, even though Joseph Newgarden has the better car, the better engine, I find it very difficult for Joseph to be able to bounce back from that and uh, be able to produce an effort that will challenge Scott Dixon uh, coming up uh, next week in Sonoma. I think at this point you're going to be talking uh, five-time champion with Scott Dixon uh, winning the race and winning the championship. Uh, it's just the fact of the matter right now is if the event had not happened the way it played out at the Glen, I'd be feeling a lot better for Joseph's chances. But I think that showed the first kinks in the armor that uh, it's going to take a little more uh, for him to get the job done at this point. Absolutely. Now, you know, want to take a quick pause here. Make sure we remind anybody and everybody that might be south of us down in the Florida area. Please take these evacuations very, very seriously as uh, Hurricane Irma prepares to take a direct hit on uh, the South Florida area, especially if you're in the Keys or Miami area. You know, get the hell out of Dodge. Uh, no sense in, in being a, a hero. Uh, we're talking with uh, Matt Embry of Popular Speed, talking our, our official IndyCar contributor. You know, uh, Matt, there, there's rumors, and of course, Tony Kanaan always said he thought it would be cool to drive for AJ Foyt, and it looks like that's going to be a reality in 2018. Rumor has it that Tony Kanaan is going to be a driver uh, for um, A.J. Foyt uh, and, uh, and is expected to sign this week, as a matter of fact, to, for the number 14 ABC uh, Chevy Supply next year, although it's not confirmed. So talk with us a little bit of how that shapes up and does a little shake and make for the existing A.J. Foyt team. I think clearly Carlos Munoz wants out. Uh, I think based on what he's, he didn't get what he was advertised uh, based on the offseason. We thought this was going to be a resurgence of the Foyt team. It didn't happen. Uh, so Munoz has been looking for an out for 
the re- since the Indianapolis 500 concluded. Uh, TK has had a very below-average season at Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, if not for that, we would not be talking about him going to another team at this point. Uh, add to that, Chip Ganassi has not found a sponsor to replace Target, still has been unable to do that. Uh, he has solid backing with probably Chilton and Dixon, the probably only two drivers that are secure at this point because even the rumors are swirling that Charlie Kimball's uh, ride is in jeopardy uh, for 2018. So uh, at this point, it could we could see an actual trade-off of drivers where TK goes to Foyt and possibly Carlos Munoz goes to Ganassi. Uh, remember, this is a guy, Carlos Munoz, that has finished second in two Indianapolis 500. So this is a guy that certainly has not forgotten how to drive a car. Uh, he just needs better equipment. And if he does get to Ganassi in 2018, I think he will become a part of the conversation again, much like he did in the Indianapolis 500 in 2016. What do you think has been the biggest? Uh, we see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, issues around uh, AJ Foyt racing. I don't know if it's AJ Foyt's age and health. I don't know if it's him turning it mostly over to his son. I really don't know what the answer is, uh, but I'm curious to know what the answer is. It seems like AJ Foyt just can't get a grip uh, uh, on getting a successful run together. It seems like he he gets some very good drivers. Very talented drivers. Obviously, uh, we, we know the drivers that he has, has now, and had. And, again, talking about going with Tony Kanaan, so he has no problem getting the drivers. What do you think is the, the problem that why A.J. Foyt Racing cannot get it together? Well, I think the situation right now is, of course, part to do with it is the relocation of the team from Texas to Indianapolis. They've been doing that during the season, which I don't think is the recommended route to take for this. Add to that as well, this is a team that still relies on older technology things. They have not updated facilities. Uh, They use more of a seat-of-the-pants thing because that's how AJ's used to doing, and that doesn't necessarily work anymore uh, with the advanced technology era that IndyCar and auto racing in general is up to. And then uh, the funding, uh, ABC Supply, yeah, they've been a good partner, but the funding they provide is not enough to compare to, say, some of these power teams like Andretti, uh, Ganassi, Penske, even Schmidt-Peterson. So I think at this point right now it's going to take a major inclusion of cash and a major commitment, kind of like what we saw with Dale Coyne's team prior to the Sebastian Bourdais crash. If, they, if the Foyt team wants to be challenging for race wins, I think they're going to need to, you know, loosen the purse strings a little bit and take some chances as far as financially-wise. Otherwise, they're probably just going to be confined to the back of the pack, even when they bring in Tony Kanaan. We're talking with uh, Matt Embry of Popular Speed, our official IndyCar contributor, talking about the IndyCar uh, season, certainly what's been going on with IndyCar, and, and we're building up to the uh, championship in Sonoma, uh, Sonoma uh, coming up. I do want to get uh, to the talk about that race to talk about the championship. One of the things we certainly got to talk about is that uh, uh, exit out of the pit crash, that pit crash exit, I'm sorry, with uh, Tony Kanaan and Joseph Newgarden up at the Glen, two very expensive uh, uh, Two very experienced drivers. Sorry about that. Uh, so, uh, talk with us a little bit about: Was it over excitement? Was it uh, just uh, not paying attention? Uh, was it uh, spotters? What do you think was the the result of that? The cause of that crash, and as we know, as a result, that could have cost uh, the championship, as you mentioned a while ago, uh, for Joseph Newgarden. Like I said, I think it was panic. Uh, 
They went with the wrong strategy. They thought it was going to rain. It didn't. That put them behind in the pack. And they were trying to salvage points, knowing that Scott Dixon was in a position to possibly win the race, even though Alexander Rossi eventually did. And uh, I think it was a mass panic trying to gain ground in the exit of the pit lane, which it, once you clear that uh, pit exit commitment line, you could start to pick up speed. So, And as a tight 90-degree turn, even more tired than the one on track, and Joseph Newgar and Mitch does it, hit the barrier, and TK did the same thing essentially. So that's their own fault right there, but I think it's more of a panic situation trying to salvage as many points as possible. And now Joseph Newgard's really got a fight on his hands uh, looking ahead to Sonoma. Now, not to say that he wouldn't have had one, say, if he had finished, you know, third, fourth, or fifth, et cetera, to Dixon, but it's really a fight now. He is not in control of his own destiny like he was, uh, you know, seven days ago. Alexander Rossi gets a huge win up at the Glen. Obviously, it's his first uh, 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 road course win, and uh, the Indianapolis 500 was his first oval win. He certainly got uh, some great news as far as his contract goes. Alexander Rossi's starting to come into his own. Thing is, though, is this going to be another flash like it was in Indianapolis last year where he has a good run and then he starts to fizz again. Uh, he's been two hit or miss in his career. Granted, he's had a much better 2017 as opposed to 2016. But the fact of the matter is he just has not yet shown the consistency, nor has Andretti Autosport to be a consistent runner. I mean, it's been, outside of Rossi, a dismal season for them. I mean, Ryan Hunter Ray has had six DNFs this year. Uh, you'll also look down the list. Uh, Marco Andretti has been not competi- uncompetitive. And, I mean, this is why they are talking about bringing in a big name like a Fernando Alonso to this team, because they need some kind of a spark to get them back in the right direction. Now, granted, it's not as bad as it was in 2011 when they failed to place two cars in the field for the Indy 500, but uh, it is not trending in the right direction for them. And outside the Indianapolis 500, where they had the advantage with the engine from Honda, they have been absolutely struggling to find their feet at most other events this season. And uh, even though, yes, uh, Rossi did win at the Marcus Glen, I still think that's more of a spokescreen at this point to what this team could potentially do looking in 2018. They need some work right now. Otherwise, they're probably not going to be a challenger for the championship, uh, much like they haven't been this year. Let's talk about what's coming up next year. It's been made clear that uh, Pinsky is going to move Elio Castanevis, for the most part, over to his sports car uh, series that he's uh, ramping up. Elio Castanevis, however, says, uh, I think I can change Pinsky's mind. What are your thoughts? Well, keep in mind, Elio is, past, is, is into his 40s. Uh, obviously, Penske wants to go sports car racing, but he'd like to keep things in-house as much as possible. He doesn't want to bring in or have to spend extra money if he doesn't need to on top-name drivers, uh, especially from the sports car realm, you know, the big names like the Rockefellers, uh, something big like that. He doesn't want to necessarily have to go in that direction if he doesn't have to. And let's face it, Elio has been pretty decent on road courses. So for a team that is going to be coming in with a brand-new program. Uh, you want someone that can be competitive right out of the box. I think you got one in Montoya. You certainly have one in Elio. Uh, I think that's probably the way they're going to go. But worst comes to worst, even if it works out that way, keep in mind Penske has said he will provide cars for the Indy 500, much like he did Montoya this past year. He'll provide a car for Juan Pablo. He'll provide a car for Elio. So we won't completely not see Elio race in 2018 in IndyCar. We just won't see him uh, at every single event. So the thing right now is uh, you don't want to get stuck with a driver 
pastors prime that can't provide you complete success. And look what Ganassi's had to deal with uh, with TK, for instance. Outside the Indianapolis 500, uh, he has struggled. So uh, you don't want to get in a situation where one driver is bogging down the rest of the team. Now, that's not saying that's what's going to happen next year if Elio stays, but it could happen eventually down the road. So in any way, I think with the stuff and the way he's extending things, they're probably just downsizing to save a little bit of money. I think the rumors going around is they will not find a replacement for Elio. They'll just run three cars full-time next year. So uh, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's the big thing right now is, you know, Elio – I think, unfortunately, he's probably not going to win a championship this year at this point. I think the damage has been done too much that he really needed to start winning races and he couldn't get the job done there. But uh, he's had a great career. It's just ultimately he just hasn't won the championship, and I don't think things are going to change right now. I think unless all of a sudden Penske scraps the sports car program, I think Elio is headed to that NMSA program for 2018. Well, here's the thing about Elio Castaneves. I like to consider right now that he's part of that magnificent seven that could win a championship. Winning changes everything. If he does, in fact, win a championship in 2017, I certainly think he, he's in the mix anyway. Certainly, as we talked about, though, it's certainly uh, looking like it's Scott Dixon's uh, championship to lose. But let's speak uh, hypothetically. Elio Castaneves wins a championship here in 2017. Does that change Penske's outlook at all? Uh, I don't think it – again, uh, I think things are set out in stone right now. Uh, the way – look, Roger Petsky sets his budgets and what he wants to do well in advance, more than what we would do, like when we do it day by day. He is looking years down the road. He's saying, where do I need to be in order to remain competitive in all my entities? And right now, running a four-car operation I don't think is in his best interest – uh, with all the other stuff he's running, he's running a NASCAR team. He's not going to be running a sports car team. He's running a team in the Australian V8 Supercar circuit with Dick Johnson. So I think ultimately right now it is, you know, making sure and keeping things and checks and balances and all that stuff. And unfortunately, it probably means Elio goes elsewhere. But ultimately, for the health of this team down the road and to, for them to remain competitive, this is the route they're going to have to take, unfortunately. Well, let's talk about my magnificent seven, if you will. Uh, Alexander Rossi, Graham Rahal, Elio Castanevis, Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, Simon Pettijohn, uh, uh Will Power, uh, all geared up for Sonoma Raceway. It's going to be a shootout in the desert, if you will, in wine country, if you will. Let's start with this young kid, Joseph Newgarden. We've seen him come up through the ranks over the last few years. By all by all intents and purposes, he's the youngest uh, youngest uh, guy out there that could win the championship. Joseph Newgarden certainly has a lot to learn, as we as we as we saw last week. Certainly has made his share of mistakes, but by all accounts. I think by him being with Penske, and then we can see where Penske's uh, uh, represented here in the championship uh, hunt, uh, Joseph Newgarden certainly, uh, I, I feel, made a good move going to Penske this year. Well, he made a good move. The thing is, though, I think it's still a little early before he wins the championship. Unfortunately, at this point, I think still think there is a lot of learning to do. I think by year two, he will be much more competitive in 2018 than he will you know, challenging this year. I just think when you are in a situation where it, a lot of new things is, there's a lot of indecision, there's a lot of unknown, and you'd like to have a more of a better idea of what's going on. Compare that to Scott Dixon, who's been in the circuit uh, 
And since 2003, of course, he was in CART prior to that. Uh, he understands what's going to be need to be done to get the job done here. So I think that's where I give him the edge over Newgarden at this point. And then as you look further down the list, uh, you know, yes, technically, Graham Rahal, Alexander Rossi are within range, but they would need a ton of help, a lot of DNS, and a lot of weird things to happen for them to get all the way to number one. And even with the double points, I don't think that's a possible scenario at this point. So I think realistically, it's between Dixon and Newgarden, who gets to the checkered flag first on Sunday. Simon Patajon, got to like where he's at. He's got to like where he's at. Simon Patajon, we haven't had a chance to really talk about him. I don't know that he's in contention for the championship, but he is still part of what I consider the magnificent seven that could be in the mix. And really, in a lot of ways, it's up up to grabs for anyone. I agree with you on, on who, who it probably will be, but logically speaking, you know, the, my magnificent seven, that's, that's uh, my phraseology today, magnificent seven. Uh, but uh, certainly Simon Patajon is in that, that mix. I think Pagano's still reeling, though, from the incident involving himself in New Garden at St. Louis. He seemed to be me- mentally and emotionally shaken by what happened there. He felt like he got a raw deal. There should have been something done to New Garden about that. And I don't think he's really recovered from that. Uh, I think he's gotten a lot of flack from Twitter for that comment. So I think really in that situation, he left the door open for Joseph, and he took full advantage of it. And, you know, even though, yes, he didn't have as bad a result as Joseph did at the Glen. I think most mentally he is messed up from what happened there, and I really don't see him being a factor when we get to Sonoma. So, you know, I agree with you on that part of it, but, I mean, here's the thing. They're teammates. It looks to me like that, I I mean, I would think, anyway, uh, you know, with a team like Penske, Penske may, maybe he did, I don't know, called them both in and said, hey, you guys are teammates, great race, you guys are doing what you do out there. You bump, bump a grind, but hey, uh, let's 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 put it behind us, uh, and we got we got a championship to focus on. You think that kind of a conversation happened where those two were brought into a room together and said, "Hey, let's let's uh, let's uh, brush the dust off our, our boots, uh, let's shake hands, and let's move forward." Well, if there was, obviously, I'd be guessing right now. Pagano did not get the better thing of it right now because I think what Pagano was saying is that. There should have been reprimands on Joseph for what he did, and if there wasn't in this case, because I'm assuming there probably wasn't, it was just a racing incident, I don't think Pagano is going to be a happy man out of that situation. Now, granted, he's going to be with Penske for the long term, but uh, I'm sure he's not going to be exactly thrilled uh, that he, in this situation he had to play second field to Joseph uh, because of that. And a lot of that is just uh, racer pride, I, I, I guess, uh, as well. You know, we've only got a few more minutes left in this segment before we got to move on to, to NASCAR. But one of the things I did want to talk with you about, and this is a good opportunity, a good segue, if you will, is Gateway. How cool was it to see racing back out at Gateway, back out at St. Louis, that little track? I tell you what, to me, as a, as a race fan, as a, as, a, as a guy that lives in the Midwest, certainly I love Indianapolis. Don't get me wrong, but there was just something special about seeing a race out at Gateway this year. Good stuff. Obviously, good track. I think still think there's a few things like the bumps on turns one and two. They need to work on that. I think that caught a lot of drivers out. There was a lot of complaints about that. Certainly hurt Will Power at his chances to possibly win a title. Uh, so maybe a little bit of extra track maintenance needs to be done at this point. And, uh, 
And another thing also is they got to slow these guys down. I mean, they don't need to be running near 200 miles an hour on a track like this uh, for a lap time and lap speed. Uh, so trying to find a way to slow the cars down I think would be helpful and make it easier for overtaking, for instance. But uh, as long as the crowd keeps showing up, that's always a good sign. But, uh, yeah, there's a few things I think that could still be done to make the show better looking ahead to next year. Two more drivers uh, that uh, I really kind of just we well, let's just uh, touch on and talk about. Don't think they're going to win the championship, but they're part of that magnificent seven. So I did want to talk about them: Will Power and Graham Rahal. What are your thoughts? Yes, to see what Graham does next year if he does have a teammate. Uh, there is uh, Zachary Clement de Mayo will be driving the second car for Rahal at Sonoma. Uh, there has been talk that Kakuma Sato with the Honda money could be a potential target. So it'll be interesting to see how that will affect that team. If looking into next year, they run two cars, and then uh, you look at the other situations right now uh, with some of these other Daves in there. Uh, you look at the situations involving uh, some of the other big names and those that have a contender and outside chance. Uh, obviously, uh, getting a result here would be a big boost looking to 2018 because, like we said, there is a lot of rides in terms of free agents where. You know, things are not all that good. Like we said, Charlie Kimball's future is in question. Uh, Carlos Budios's future's got to be in question right now. Where will he let lad? And then, obviously, uh, Kyle Kaiser, uh, having won the Indy Lights Championship, uh, where is he going to take his uh, scholarship buddy uh, next year? There's talk about Yunkos moving up full-time to IndyCar. Will he be part of that deal or not? So a lot of unknowns as we get into the offseason after Sonoma takes a checkered flag uh, next Sunday. So, uh, uh, Sonoma, wine country, uh, certainly one of the best tracks to watch a race. A lot of different elevation changes. Uh, real quickly, wrap up uh, for us before we have to put a bow on this segment. Talk with us about Sonoma uh, and, uh, you know, about the track and the race itself. Tough, physically demanding circuit, no question about it. Uh, with the bump set, obviously, with the undulation, I mean, it will really take a lot out of you. It's probably the second most uh, physically demanding race outside of maybe mid-Ohio because of the undulation and the technicality of that circuit as well. Uh, I think right now it's a two-man race. Uh, whoever gets to the line first, uh, Dixon and Newgarden. Uh, if Newgarden uh, does not fare well early in qualifying and gets himself into a little bit of mix-up and Dixon gets a advantage on into the Firestone Fact 6, I think it's going to really be an advantage uh, to the Iceman uh, looking to Sunday. And for now, I think we're going to be talking about a five-time champion in the circuit uh, come Sunday, or next, not this Sunday, but next Sunday uh, with Scott Dixon winning another title. I got you. And so, uh, Matt Embry of Popular Speed, I appreciate you joining us. I'm certainly our official IndyCar contributor, uh, and uh, we'll be talking with you more as we get closer to this championship race next week. Uh, obviously, we'll have a preview of the championship race itself, and we'll, and we'll have, be talking a little bit about the championship afterwards. So, what are you working on over there at Popular Speed, and uh, uh, where can people find your work and your masterpieces? Well, popularspeed.com is the place to look on the open wheel page. We're looking at things. Obviously, we'll have another fantasy hot tip coming up next week uh, for the fantasy players of the Firestone Fantasy Challenge. And obviously, this silly season picture uh, continues to get more interesting. Uh, will there be an expanded grid or not? A lot of question marks coming into play, and it'll be interesting to see. And we will certainly keep an eye on that uh, throughout the week as we draw closer to Sonoma uh, at popularspeed.com. Matt Embry of Popular Speed, appreciate you joining us, sir. We'll be talking with you again soon, sir.
Anytime, Tom. My name is Tom Mark Michelle President. It's time to get into the NASCAR talk. We'll be doing that with uh, uh, Tyson from OnPitRoad.com and Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. We'll get back right here on the Balance Radio Network. family of five to the amusement park can cost a small fortune. Oh, yeah. So to save some money, we thought, hey, let's bring the amusement park to us. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Uh, step right up. Step right up, young man. Are you ready to ride the Wacky Waterfall? That's just the bathtub with the shower head running. Nope. It's the Wacky Waterfall. It's the shower, Dad. Waterfall. Wacky. There's an easier way to save. To get a free rate quote, go to Geico.com. Then buy online, over the phone, or at your local Geico office. It's O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stop in today and check out store-wide savings, plus earn double points on over 225 items. It's our way of saying thank you. If you're not already a member, sign up today during O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month. It's fast, easy, and free. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark Westell, Presidente. Thanks for Matt Embry for joining us, uh, our official IndyCar contributor, uh, uh, joining us and talking with us about IndyCar and uh, what's going on and getting ready for uh, the championship that that's getting ready to happen at Sonoma. Joining us now from OnPitRoad.com is Tyson Lautenschlager. Uh, good morning, Tyson. Welcome back to The Balance. How is you, sir? Good morning. I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Did I get the name right? Got it. Got, got it. Yeah, keep, you got it. You got to keep the fan freaking fantastic, let me tell you. So, you know, uh, we were just talking a little IndyCar. Certainly, if you want to chime in on any thoughts on IndyCar, uh, uh, feel free before we get into the NASCAR talk. Uh, joining us also is uh, Steve Wilson of, of Speedway, Di- uh, Speedway Digest. So go ahead, uh, Tyson. Do you have any uh, uh, final thoughts on IndyCar before we dive into the NASCAR talk? Yeah, I'd say IndyCar is about to really heat up as we go into Sonoma. Obviously, Joseph Newgarden has had his issues um, at uh, Watkins Glen last week, and, and that really tightened up the championship battle. You got Scott Dixon is right there, and with Sonoma being a double points event, you know you really have like five guys that could potentially win the championship. So it's definitely going to be uh, really interesting for the fans. I personally am not a big fan of the double points race. I think it's kind of a gimmick. But it should be fun at least to watch um, just because you have so many drivers who can win the championship um, going into Sonoma. And, I mean, as much as I say um, the, the 
double points as a gimmick at Sonoma, and you can say the same about how we decide a champion in NASCAR. So, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I think it's going to be between Newgarden and Dixon, but really any one of those top five drivers can do it. Well, let's get into our NASCAR talk. Joining us now from his home track down in Richmond, Virginia, Mr. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, editor and publisher of Speedway Digest. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing all right. How are you doing this morning? I'm alive. I'm awake. You know, one of the, the, the things I do want to say, guys, is if you're down south, and I know you're closer down south to, to Florida anyway, certainly, guys, if you're because I know we have a national audience, if you're down there in south Florida, Miami, or really anywhere in Florida, no, no time to be a hero. Uh, Steve, I know you have a lot of uh, friends, family, and what have you that live down in the Florida area. What are you hearing from down there? Um, well, <laughs> if, if you're down that way, uh, you know, the governor said it best. Get out now. Um, you're right. Don't be a hero down there. Um, this, this thing has already wreaked havoc all the way through the Caribbean. We've seen the pictures already. Um, yeah, there, there's really no no point in. I mean, it, it, you know, when Andrew came through in '92, we we've seen you know what Hugo did in South Carolina in 1988. I mean, this thing is massive. This thing is mean. It's nasty. I mean, it's it's destroyed entire islands out there in the Caribbean. This this thing is relentless. It's gaining strength again. It's it's just it's going to envelop the entire state of of Florida. I mean, there's just really just no sense. And I mean, you're, they're giving every opportunity for people to get out of there. I mean, it, it, you've just got to go, you've got to go, got to get out of there. And, you know, yeah, I've got a lot of people, a lot of friends around the Orlando area and other places down in that. And, you know, some of them are going to stay, um, you know, some are going, but, you know, at the same time, um, you know, the governor, like I said, said it best, get out now, go leave, take your stuff and go. Absolutely. I know that he said, uh, they also said that if you're down in that area, uh, really afternoon today, and now you're really past the, the time of it being too late, but if you if you call 911, no one's, uh, no one's coming. So certainly a huge, huge storm, and you know our thoughts and prayers are for everybody uh, down in South uh, Florida, but seriously, I know we have a lot of audiences down that a- area, and I know you're in Virginia, so we just you know seriously take all of the, the, the warnings that you can and, and take it seriously. Let's talk about, like I said, your, your home track, Richmond, Virginia, under the lights, Really doesn't get any better than that. Brad Koloski edged out Kyle Busch last night for his fourth career Xfinity Series win at Richmond, uh, finishing uh, final stage that ended with 89 straight green flags. And Ty Dillon, who came home third, got the stage one win. Uh, so talk with us a little bit about the Xfinity race last night in Richmond. Well, it seemed to be that it was going to be Kyle Busch's night yet again at Richmond. And, well, it, it wasn't. In the closing laps last night, Kyle Busch just really just got tied up in a lot of traffic there. Keselowski seemed to be saving a lot, a lot of tires there for, for the end and was able to use that traffic against Kyle Busch. Uh, they had swapped back and forth for the lead a couple times through, throughout the event. 
you know, cobblers getting a one stage win out there in the second stage. But you know, at the you know, it, it, you know, if Kyle is good here, he's good at Richmond. He's won multiple, multiple times. I think when you come to Richmond, you always have to think that Kyle is going to be there. He won the pole, and you know, from the get go, he was he just set sail. He was gone. And, you know, you look around and everybody thinks, okay, well, here you go. This is it. He's done. And, uh, you know, sit back and watch the show happen. But, um, you know, he, uh, you know, last night it didn't seem like he was on top of his game like he has in the past here. And, um, you know, you know, Keselowski was able to challenge him. Other drivers were able to challenge him. The tires seemed to be a little bit different last night because there seemed to be a lot of tire management that came into play versus years in the past. Um, you know, there were there were drivers such as Brendan Gaughan, Daniel Hemrick, and other drivers that came in off pitch strategy and were able to just go out and uh, just just seems like that they were able to go and just break this whole field up. And I think that's what threw Kyle Busch off in the way that, you know, just we've not seen in years past. And if if we look towards tonight and maybe some of those strategies are going to come into play, who knows? But, you know, that seemed to be like what really came into play last night. Well, Tyson, Tyson Lautenschlager uh, with uh, onpitroad.com as well to, to talk a little bit about uh, NASCAR with us. And certainly uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Tyson, is, you know, kind of your thoughts. I know that some of the drivers have weighed their thoughts on NASCAR taking wins away. Joey Logano and Matt Kenseth, uh, you know, had some issues with stiff penalties. Uh, Denny Hamilton is is fine if the sanctioning body started taking away wins. And I guess that's what people are talking about. Dell Jr. admits that it, it has – nothing else going on right now uh but at at the same time a win is a win you've earned that win if in fact that you earn that win do you think that penalties should go as far as taking away wins uh in the nascar series yeah i think so because i mean if you look at the way that nascar does things and you know Benny Hamlin's a great uh point both of his wins last weekend were what nascar called encumbered meaning he failed inspection. He, you know, something was wrong on his car, and and NASCAR essentially took the win away without actually taking it away. And he he doesn't get any points. So for winning Darlington the Cup race, he should have gotten five playoff points. He doesn't get those. He doesn't get to carry those into the playoffs anymore. Um, so in my eyes, that's that's basically deeming a, a non-win me so i think we need to it's time that nascar kind of officially says look if you're caught in in post-race inspection if you failed and i mean cheating is is one of those words that a lot of people uh, have been using but it's it's kind of hard to say you know whether this is cheating necessarily but if you fail post-race inspection something is illegal on your car you shouldn't win the race i think that's just the way it goes but i think there's definitely some things that nascar needs to look into a, a more a better maybe post-race inspection um, program. I think we see a lot of short tracks across uh, the United States and Canada that have figured out how to do post-race inspection at the track and, and get um, fans the, the results at the track. So why we still are waiting until Wednesday to hear the official results um, in a you know high-profile top NASCAR series is kind of something that a lot of people should be wondering why this is still happening. Um, but, you know, in short, if you fail inspection and, and you won the race, 
uh, you should be probably put back the 40th place or wherever, how, however many cars were in the race, because it's just there's something that, that kind of just doesn't feel right about that. And I think when you look at a, a place like Darlington in particular, um, the race winner, his, his face goes on the trophy. You get your, your face and your name on the trophy for years to come, and I feel like uh, you're going to look back at that in a few years, and it's just going to look a little silly seeing um, the driver who failed inspection won the race still being put on the trophy. Steve, what are your thoughts on NASCAR taking away wins as a, as a form of penalties uh, for for those who uh, who uh, fail uh, post uh, race inspections at the, at the at the end of the race? Well, actually, I asked that question yesterday to Dale Jr. when he came in because he 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 was sitting in the media center and there was a couple questions on that exact you know topic. If throughout the day, you know, others that come through, uh, Denny Hamlin was asked on this as well as others. You know, he, he he had said earlier on in his career where, you know, he was bounced out of, you know, short tracks, you know, as well as others were. But, you know, at the same time, he, he said he was fine with it. He was fine if the, NASCAR took away wins. And it, it didn't really matter to him. But at the same time, he didn't feel like he was the right person that should be asked. And, you know, it really should be up to the competition committee and other people that are involved into this. Uh, you know, I, I think it's an interesting question because, you know, uh, you know, there's really only but a handful of times that, you know, this has ever occurred in NASCAR. It was the first race in 1949 at Charlotte Speedway. Uh, the very first event uh, that, that the official winner was was taken away uh, for, you know, an official win in NASCAR. And the second time it happened at Jacksonville Speedway, but that was a whole separate incident. That was later restored. Um, you know, that, that was Wendell Scott. Um, so, you know, there's only two times in, in NASCAR that, you know, NASCAR has taken a race win away from somebody. Even though they did two separate incidences, uh, those are really the those are the only two times that it's happened. So you know the the precedence going back is is that you know uh, the founder of NASCAR has always said that he wanted fans to know who the race winner was when they leave the grandstands at night, and, and that's something that is a foundational core of sport and carries on today. So how do you balance that, and how do you work with that, knowing that we have 70-plus years of precedence that, you know, is still a core of this sport today? And I realize that, you know, we're, these drivers out there are supposed to be at the top of their game. These are supposed to be the best engineers, the best teams putting these cars together. And, you know, you know it's, it's every single week. We're seeing issues, and these issues are continuously becoming more egregious. They're becoming more compound every week. Uh, for example, not only failed inspection in the Southern 500 lab, he failed inspection and had an encumbered win in the Xfinity race the day prior. So he had two encumbered wins in the same weekend for winning two races. So I mean that's right there. That that that's what makes this you know uh, an especially hard topic on 
how do you how do you work with this? You know, NASCAR is bumping up fines here. Um, yeah, um, fifty thousand dollars you know, now for suspension issues. Uh, not only the crew chief gets suspended, but the car chief is now going to go away. Um, you know, more points are now being taken away. So I mean, yeah, I mean they're starting to bump these things up and you know really damage the team per se. That it really makes them hard to dig out of a hole. And you know, monetarily wise, you know. You know, uh, you may you might not think that that's a lot, but you know, when you start doing this week and week in and week out, and you know, the points really hurt. And um, you know, we always hear that when a crew chief is gone, they put the car chief in because you know, the car chief is usually the person that touches the car the most after the crew chief. And well, you know, uh, the crew chief and the car chief they talk all week long, and you know, they they're the ones that know the car the best so when you're spending them at the same time you know it really hurts the team when they come to the racetrack so i i don't know i mean it's a, right. it's a really hard how, how how do you fix this and you know how do you how do you deal with tradition at the same time with the precedents i i don't know i don't, I don't have the answers for it nobody seems to have an answer for it do you take the wins away like they do at the sh- at the short tracks um again i don't know I I just think it's hard. I, it's, it's something that we're not going to solve overnight. Right. It's ongoing debate. We'll see what happens. We'll certainly be following that. Tyson, uh, certainly Matt Kenseth gets the pole uh, down there in Richmond uh, and uh, with a uh, lap speed, I believe, of 122.421. Uh, uh, you know, so certainly he's 15th on the playoff grid. I know he came into the season, Matt Kenseth did, really not knowing what uh, 2018 uh, season will hold for him as far as a ride goes. Uh, but certainly uh, doing things, little things like this, little wins like this, and looking to hold on to a 92-point 90, buffer really does help him in his uh, endeavor to, to have a ride in 2018. Yeah, there was a point uh, really only a few weeks ago where, where Matt Kenseth was looking like he was going to be in a position where he needed to win a race in order to make the playoffs. And, and it, it seems like in the last maybe five or six races, he's come on really strong and has been a lot more competitive lately, and now now we see him on the pole for the second time this season, I believe the second time this season, second at Richmond for sure. And uh, Kenseth definitely has some speed this weekend. He doesn't need to win at this point in order to, to make the playoffs. However, um, he would, you know, be in, like if a, a new driver, you know, that's below, set like Clint Boyer or below in points were to win this weekend, it could put him in a little bit of danger in terms of making the playoffs, but, uh, if, if Kenseth could win, it would be a huge boost to his playoff uh, standings, giving him an extra five playoff points, you know, and whatever stage points he could get. And then, you know, he's still looking for a ride next year. So this could be a really, really big weekend, a make-or-break weekend for Matt Kenseth. Um, you know, he, he's 45 years old, but he doesn't want to just go out and retire. He still wants to, to go out and compete for wins. So, you know, by starting on the pole, by being up front, it's showing he still has the speed and, and maybe he can put something together for next year. Absolutely. And uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest says, as we look at Matt Kenseth doing these little things that he needs to do to have a ride into next year, uh, do you think that uh, he'll have one next year or do, are we seeing the end of, the, of an era with Matt Kenseth and certainly one of the greats? 
Pro, we still don't know yet. I mean, there there's still some rides that and seats that could potentially come open next year. The the whole you know musical chairs and all of this series hasn't fully finished yet. I mean, we we, we still don't know who's going to take over that third spot over there at Richard Childress Racing yet. Um, do we just found out that Ty Dillon is going to stay over at Jermaine Racing, so he's not going to join his brother over there as the third car. Richard Childress Racing hasn't said whether they're going to stay two cars and then go back to uh, stay or go to three cars or if they're going to lease that third car charter out. Um, we, we, we don't know what's going to happen in the 10 car. Danica Patrick, whether she's going to stay, whether she's going to go, all indications is she's going to go. Um, I mean, there, there's lots of flux. There's lots of things still going on in the series. Potentially, um, oh, Kurt Brush is another one. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? There's been no definitive answer on that one yet. So, is there a place for him potentially? Yeah, I think there's. I think there's potentially a place for him. I just think it's just going to settle all these things out right at this moment. So uh, let's get into this uh, uh, 2017 NASCAR Cup Series playoff points, uh, the Monster Energy Series, if you will. Uh, certainly we got the race tonight at Richmond Raceway, uh, the uh, Federated Auto Parts 400. We'll start with you, uh, Tyson, from OnPitRoad.com. Uh, certainly leading the pack, Martin Truex Jr. with a total of 37 playoff points. And then Kyle Busch, uh, Kyle Larson, Jimmy Johnson, Brad Koloski, and Ricky Stein, Steinhouse Jr. round out. Uh, out the the top leaders in the playoff pitchers uh this for the for the 2017 uh series playoff points what are your thoughts yeah right now uh my thoughts are martin truex jr is in a pretty good position right now he's got such a huge advantage over the field in terms of um playoff points and uh being the regular season champion he's going to get an extra 15 playoff points to carry uh his way um through the playoffs and i think at this point it's unless something goes drastically wrong for him in these next uh, nine races, I think we'll see him competing for a championship in Homestead just because he's got such a huge gap and he's run so well this season. So I think uh, Truex is definitely in good position right now. And, and, you know, now that it is playoff time, Jimmy Johnson, who's struggled for a lot of the season, wouldn't be surprised at all to see him get back to his regular form. You know, last year, statistically, his worst season in the Cup Series he's ever had and yet he still went on to win the championship. So right now we, we go into these last 10 races, and really anything can happen. It doesn't matter what you think can happen. Anything can happen. And uh, I think there are some drivers that are going to be at the top of the, po- the, atop, uh, atop of the pylon rather um, that aren't a surprise like Truex, but we can see some drivers sneak in there that have some good runs. All it takes is a couple good races and, and a little bit of momentum. And we could see a guy like Ryan Newman sneaking in the top four again. Uh, I, I, it'd be a surprise, but he did it in 2014. So, uh, Steve, uh, nobody knows uh, Richmond like you do. That's your home track. That's where you live at. You know that track, and you know it well. And certainly this is the last opportunity that the Monster Energy uh, Series uh, drivers have to Prove it underneath the lights. Always a good race there. As we talked about, Matt Kendis leads the way uh, there with the Hurricane Harvey Relief Sponsor, which, by the way, I think is pretty pretty freaking awesome there uh, that they were able to do that and then him get, get the pull. Uh, but talk with us a little bit about Richmond, what it's about, what the strategies uh, drivers are going through right now, what are crew trees doing to prepare for tonight's race? 
Well, the good thing is, is that tonight it's all going to be run in the dark, so they're not going to have to worry about, you know, last week where we're starting in the daylight and then going to the dark. So it's going to be an easy setup for them. Uh, you know, they qualified right at dusk yesterday. So with Matt Kenseth starting out there on the pole, I mean, he's in good position right now where he's going to be able to get an easy jump out there. So that that that's beneficial to him because it, it doesn't take very long to start the chain of lapping around Richmond to be in a three-quarter mile track out here. Uh, it, it, you know, you're you're going to find that very quickly that some of these drivers out here they're going to be they're going to be looking for position, especially to get up there, get to the front. And Kyle Busch, um, he knows this place as well as there's a lot of other drivers that are that are in the field. Brad Keselowski, I think you're you're going to see both of them out there trying to both move to the front, just like he did last night. Um, but especially Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch seems to be the driver. Um, you know, and and another driver I think we're going to have to look for is Joey Logano because he's he's trying to look for redemption at this point. If you remember back in the spring, he came here, he won the race, but that was an encumbered finish for him also. He's not locked into the chase because he can't use that win, and he uh, lost all the playoff points so it is associated to that too. So, you know, he, he's coming back here. He's looking for redemption at the same point here. Again, tire management for tonight is 400 laps around here, so that's a long ways to go around Richmond International. Uh, well, Richmond Raceway because it's no longer international. Damn, I'm going to have to put some money in the jar because uh, you're not supposed to say international anymore. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I tell you somebody else who uh, years ago used to be pretty good around this place is uh, Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch used to be pretty good when he come here. Um, and I, I think that, you know, he's uh, – he did very well last week there at Darlington. He came up just short and just shy of winning his sex, second, second crown jewel of you know 2017 when Daytona 500 started the season off. Uh, he was looking for that second crown jewel of 20 uh, of this year, and you know years ago he used to be able to come here and run this place very very well. Um, they're they're still uh, they've struggled over the summertime. However, uh, you know he he's still. Uh, you know, whether he's interview, uh, inter, uh, interviewing for that job for 2018 or whatever the case may be going on, um, you know, you got to watch out for him too. So, you know, there's a lot of players in the field right at this moment, but really uh, at the end of the day, um, Kyle Busch has just really owned this place over the last couple of the years when he's come here. But, um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of craziness that can go on at the same time, you know, just being a short track. There's a lot of, this is this is one of the this is also one of the last places before you you really get to Martinsville way deep into the chase um, that if you uh, have a problem with somebody you can also get back at them too so you know look for some of that you know Denny Hamlin said yesterday that you know a lot of drivers are going to go out there and they're just going to run their race and you know they're going to hope to get into the, uh, the the playoff at the end of the day but. You know, that's not really indicative considering the fact that, you know, over the last couple of weeks there's been some on-track incidences and, you know, Richmond has been traditionally a place where drivers have been given an opportunity to get back at somebody. Um, and especially if you're in the chase or, you know, or you're outside and you don't really, really care or don't have an opportunity to get in, um, you know, look for some of that tonight also at the same time. 
Steve Wilson, uh, editor and publisher of uh, Speedway Digest, joins us from his home track down in Richmond, uh, Virginia. Tyson Lonslager of uh, OnPitRoad.com, our uh, NASCAR contributor as well, uh, joins us uh, north of the border up in uh, Canada. And uh, so, guys, let's get your picks for tonight's race, and then we've got to put a put a bow on it and call it a day because we've got to get into some NFL talk and some college football talk. But go ahead, Tyson. What are your your pick for tonight's race at Richmond? Well, I think it's been it's been hard to bet against the Toyotas over basically the past eight or nine races. Um, and I'm thinking it's probably going to be one of those Joe Gibbs racing drivers that's going to get into victory lane tonight. But if you're looking for someone from the best of the rest category, uh, I would look no further than Brad Kosowski. He does start way back in 15th, but he always runs well at this track. Um, you know, you look back a few years ago, he led over 380 laps, go on to win the race. Uh, earlier in the spring, ran really well, uh, looked to be the driver to beat, and ended up finishing second to Logano, and then last night winning the Xfinity race. So I think, you know, those Toyotas, really, really fast. You you have two of them starting on the front row with Kenseth and Denny Hamlin. Um, but even though Brad Kisowski starting in 15th, this is a track that really suits him well, and it wouldn't be a surprise at all to see him move up the pack pretty quickly in the race and, and get to the front and maybe even win. Steve uh, Wilson, uh, who's your pick for tonight? Well, I, I know how I know how this uh, this place is, and it, it, it's hard. You know, there's a lot of people out there. Um, I, I'm just going to go through something at the board here. As you know, uh, Denny Hamlin is from this area, so we're. I'm going to go. I, I, I failed to mention him. You know that he's starting on the outside, and you know he's uh he's. He's he's got a reputation of going to victory lane a fair few times himself. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna take him for tonight here. Well, I tell you what, I'm not gonna be able to watch the race. Uh, I'll probably ch- be checking in on it. I got a little cookout at the house tonight, so I am uh, not going to be able to watch it. But I do like Martin Truex Jr. I like what he's been able to do uh, in the season that he's had. So, you know, I, I like Martin Truex Jr. He's, he seemed to find ways to win, and I think tonight's going to be no different. We're going to get into the NFL talk here in just a moment. Tyson is playing in our, our uh, uh, Balanced Fantasy League. Uh, Tyson, are you ready? Got your, your, your lineup all set up and ready to go? I got my lineup all set, but I feel like this is not going to be a great year for me. I don't really watch a lot of football. I'm going to have to try to watch football this year. Um, So we'll see how it goes, but I don't have uh, a lot of hope for my team. Well, here's one thing I can tell you. Uh, NFL is better than Canadian. No, I'm just kidding with you. Uh, (laughs) Hey, you know what? I'll give you uh, that much. One of the things I, I, I... we we are maxed out on our teams, I, and I'm, I know we have a lot of people playing. We really are maxed out. We couldn't couldn't take on I- any more, and and so we've got to get to our our uh, uh, Ambets uh, breaking rank college football segment and our NFL segment as well. But uh, Steve, you have yourself a great race weekend. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, forward Speedway Digest and speedwaydigest.com. Absolutely give them a follow because I can tell you what, they give real time. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of these places, they tweet out uh, results that are 10, 20 minutes old. Uh, 
I'm guilty of that too, but the guy that you need to follow that gives you real time is him and his partner, the partner tweet that they have, the NASCAR race updates as well. Tyson, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? So you can always uh, check us out at On Pit Road on Twitter and go to onpitroad.com, onpitroad.com on Facebook, and then, of course, also follow me on Twitter at TysonLot23. All right. Thanks, guys. You guys have yourself a great weekend. Uh, Tyson Lunchlager of OnPitRoad.com. Steve Wilson of uh, Speedway Digest joins us talking NASCAR. We'll be right back with Rick Riggin and Ed Kratz. Going to be talking opening weekend NFL, baby. Also, right around the corner is the uh, AMVETS breaking rank. Uh, the Evansville AMVETS sponsors uh, and, and brings to you the uh, breaking rank where we're going to break down the biggest college football games around. And uh, Ed Kratzram uh, is going to be joining us, our official NFL uh, contributor. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. <laughs> It's O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stop in today and check out store-wide savings, plus earn double points on over 225 items. It's our way of saying thank you. If you're not already a member, sign up today during O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month. It's fast, easy, and free. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Taking a family of five to the amusement park can cost a small fortune. Oh, yeah. So to save some money, we thought, hey, let's bring the amusement park to us. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Step right up. Step right up, young man. Are you ready to ride the Wacky Waterfall? That's just the bathtub with the shower head running. Nope. It's the Wacky Waterfall. It's the shower, Dad. Waterfall. Wacky. There's an easier way to save. To get a free rate quote, go to Geico.com. Then buy online, over the phone, or at your local Geico office. Thanks, uh, thanks, Rick. Oh man, I do it at least once. It's usually this is usually about the time that I do it. So, so I enjoy talking to myself for the for the last thirty seconds or so. Welcome back to the Balance. My name is Tom Mike Wazell, President. Hey, one hour in the books or in the can, as they call it in the biz. Thanks to Matt Embry of a uh, popular uh, uh, popular speed and joining us talking about the IndyCar uh, Championship. Uh, and uh, of course, we we had. Uh, uh, Rick, I, I mean, I'm sorry, we had Steve Wilson. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm losing it today. Steve Wilson and uh, Tyson from OnPitRoad.com and Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest uh, joining us to talk about the Monster Energy NASCAR race in Richmond. Uh, but joining us, I think I've got this straight now. Rick Riggin uh, is, joins us from Evansville, obviously our official college football contributor and our official NFL contributor, uh, Ed Kratz. Welcome to the show, fellas. Ed, how is you, sir? 
Hey, I'm great, Tom. I was just thinking, if you're only talking to yourself 30 seconds a day, you're doing all right. You know what I mean? I, I talk to myself all the time. <laughs> I do. I do it all the time. It's just it's usually about the same time, and uh, Rick is always usually good about letting me know you're talking to yourself, bro. So, <laughs> Rick, Rick, yeah. hey, Rick. Uh, how you doing? Hey, pretty good, guys. How you guys doing? Ready, ready to go, ready to go. Hey, you know, we've been talking a little bit about this on the show today. Certainly, we're a national show. We have a lot of, we have a lot of followers and a lot of uh, listeners in the Florida area. I can only hope that you're listening to us somewhere safe. This is no place to, to time to be a hero down there in Irma. Obviously, it's affected some NFL games, as we know. So we'll kind of just kind of get right into the talk about that. Uh, obviously, it's affected the Miami and Tampa game. Uh, a lot of people. And even so much as the teams did not like the idea that they uh, they chose to have their bye week as the makeup week. Well, they didn't really because this is their bye week, <laughs> even if it is week one. Uh, so, uh, what are your thoughts? I think it was a great idea. I mean, they they obviously could not play football in this particular weather. If you've been watching this storm, so the the idiot comments that you see from players and fans, I get it, I get it, but. I don't get it. So, what are your what are your thoughts, Ed, on uh, uh, the NFL and their decision to to cancel this week's game? It was obviously a must have have to happen. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the other option, of course, was to switch it to a neutral site. And you know, I know Philadelphia and Pittsburgh were two cities that were mentioned, which and maybe even New Orleans. But I think this storm is going to impact the uh, you know that whole Gulf Coast region too, or at least it has the po- potential to. So. You know, it wouldn't have made any sense to me to bring them to Philly or Pittsburgh. I mean, who would have come out for those games, really? Um, so I think they made the, the smart decision. Now, it might not – it certainly won't benefit the players. I mean, here you are week one, you're ready to play, and now you have to sit down, and, and now you don't have an off day uh, for the rest of the year. Um, you know, maybe another option would have been to play this thing on Tuesday or Wednesday, but there's going to be so much, uh, you know, upheaval in that area and so much cleanup and – you know, hopefully everyone, no one gets killed in this thing, but, you know, you might have that too. So, really, I don't think you could have played a Tuesday or Wednesday. I remember years ago when the Eagles, uh, there was a huge snowstorm in Philadelphia, uh, and the Vikings were supposed to play here in Philadelphia and on a Sunday, and there was too much snow, so they postponed the game till Tuesday, and the Eagles came out and looked horrible. They looked very flat, and they were still in the playoff mix at that time, and, and they were beaten by the immortal Joe Webb at quarterback for the Vikings. So, uh, you know, when you play kind of on an odd day, too, that affects players. So, really, the NFL didn't have a whole lot of, I don't think, recourse in, in what to do other than cancel the game and play it uh, conveniently where both teams had a bye week. And I think that was the best thing to do uh, for for them to just play. I, I What are the odds that they were – well, I guess the odds were pretty good because they did. But, I mean, what are the odds that they would actually have the same bye week and it just worked out just fine? I think it's just and, – and these these guys are survived. I mean, come on. I remember a time – I know I'm showing my age here a little bit, but I remember a time when there were no bye weeks. They played straight through. And so uh, these guys are professionals. They're certainly would hope very much in shape. I, I understand the importance of a bye week but in this case it's just you know you got to you got you just got to toughen up and and uh, man up and, and and get the job done uh rick riggin uh joins us uh as you know we normally do our breaking rank at this time when we just had to move some things around a little bit uh rick riggin uh uh joins us for our college football segment but he's going to stick around he also is playing in the uh fantasy uh football league uh that we have here with the balance we're capped out obviously we have a very full full roster of uh of owners but rick uh, 
Uh, what are your thoughts on your team? Uh, are you ready to go? You got your lineup all set? You ready to go? Uh, lineup is all set. I have very uh, low confidence in my team, though. But it should be fun. <laughs> I did actually get some uh, good players out, out of the uh, out of the draft the other night, so it should be a lot of fun. But yes, very low confidence in my team. We do have a very competitive league, uh, that is that is for sure. And uh, with 18 uh, team owners, it makes uh, the uh, the pool for the best players uh, even thinner. But I think I think by looking at everybody's uh, rosters, I think everybody's got a little bit of something, if you will. We just you know you just had to do your strategy, and you know uh, we did not uh, determine uh, beforehand who would be the, in the draft order. So it was just randomly done by the by the computer. So uh, we'll see how the uh, fantasy season turns out. Now let's talk about reality. Or maybe it was fantasy when whoever it was with USA Today and then all these other copycat polls came out that said the Patriots are going to go undefeated. They're going to be better than the, the Miami Dolphins. And, of course, we know Bill Belichick was never buying into that. And, and if, you know, as we have we said many times on this show, a uh, quote from Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And I think it just shows what a good team Kansas City really is, Ed. I, I, I said this at, on the show before. I said this to people that I work with. I've said this to my son. This is a year that the Kansas City Chiefs can make a run for it. Will they go to the Super Bowl? Are they in my Super Bowl pick? I think that they're right there. I think they're knocking on the door. And I think what, what we saw on Thursday night at Gillette Stadium at home uh, – really showed a lot to me, and the Patriots just uh, fell apart and imploded from the inside out. What are your thoughts on Thursday night's game, the Chiefs and the Patriots? Uh, well, I think if Alex Smith plays the, the quarterback position the way he did Thursday night, you know, the Chiefs are going to be a tough out for sure. Um, but, you know, they suffered a pretty big loss there in their secondary. Uh, you know, Eric Berry with the, with the Achilles rupture. Uh, he's out for the year, unfortunately. You know, he's he's a terrific safety, and, you know, he's overcome quite a bit already uh, to remain in the league. But, uh, you know, losing him is, is certainly going to be leave a mark. Um, but that offense sure looked dynamic. You know, with Kareem Hunt, the rookie, uh, third-round pick, who, who looks like, you know, he, he certainly put himself, in, you know, in the front seat for the rookie of the year. I know it's early, of course, but, you know, he, he looks real good. And, um, you know, the Chiefs. You know, here in Philadelphia, their coach, you know, Andy Reid, obviously, is the coach, and he spent 14 years here. And there were a lot of snarky comments on social media about, you know, how is Andy going to blow this lead now in the fourth quarter, you know, when the Chiefs had the lead against <laughs> the Patriots. And, uh, you know, just kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop because we've seen it here so many times in, in Philly with, you know, getting the four, uh, you know, NFC championship or five NFC championship games and only winning one of them. So, uh, you know, I think it would be terrific if Andy could get that team to the Super Bowl. I'm a, you know, 14 years, I know we were a lot of people thin here in Philly after 14 years, but, you know, I'm, a, I'm an Andy Reid fan. I'm a, I think he's a terrific head coach, and it would just be so nice for him to kind of get over that hump and, and win a Super Bowl. It's, you know, we're only sitting here in September, so it's way premature. But, you know, if I'm rooting for a team to do that, I would certainly put the Chiefs in that category because just because of Andy Reid. And, and like I said, I think if Alex Smith can play like he did, uh, you know, the Chiefs certainly have a good chance. And, and New England on the other side, the Patriots, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a, a, a shot to the mouth, if you will, like you said. And, you know, we'll see how they rebound. I think they're going to be just fine. You know, I think, uh, you know, they'll find a way to win, you know, their double-digit games, and they'll certainly be in the mix. And we could see those two teams playing again uh, in the AFC championship game. 
Certainly, you know, I think that Patriot fans, if they were to be honest with themselves, if they were to go and, and look at the schedule and say, okay, we could lose this game, we could lose this game, I would think if they were really honest with themselves, they would, they, the reality was they knew going in they could have lost this game. And maybe they, they get their losses done early. Um, I think they've got Cleveland next, so I think they'll rebound just fine, like, like you said. Rick Reagan, uh any thoughts on uh, the Chiefs and the Patriots game before we get to some of these other games this weekend on opening? weekend of the NFL. Uh, yes. Uh, hey, how you doing, Ed? Got a question for you. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think this is the uh, the last year for Alex Smith on his contract in Kansas City. And it's so easy to want to overreact to what you see in week one. But with players like Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, and that defense they thrown to, that they put together for Kansas City, do you think Alex Smith is going to stay put in Kansas City at, uh, after this season? Well, you know, they they drafted his replacement, right? Patrick Mahomes, they brought him in, drafted him early, traded up to get him. Um, It's going to be a great question, you know, and a great scenario to follow all year. You know, if he plays like he did, you know, he could keep Mahomes parked on the bench for a little while, sort of like Favre did with Aaron Rodgers in in Green Bay. And there's no harm, I don't think, in having a rookie sit for a year or two. Um, But I, I think you know, we have to wait and see how that story unfolds over the next 16 weeks here. Uh, you know, how Alex Smith plays. I'll tell you, if he if he played like he did, he's going to command a lot of money. And whether Kansas City wants to pay him that kind of money or another team out there might, you know, Washington, the Redskins are sort of, uh, you know, in limbo with their quarterback spot with Kirk Cousins on the perpetual one-year deal. So, you know, there'll be a landing spot for him somewhere if Kansas City doesn't sign him. And you know, I know they were high on Mahomes in the preseason. He looked pretty good. He looked like he could be ready. So, you know, they could opt to save the money and throw a rookie in there, and that saves you money elsewhere. You know, you look at the Eagles situation. They have Carson Wentz on his rookie deal, and, you know, and that frees you up with your salary cap to go build some other areas while your quarterback is still playing for, you know, a lower wage, if you will. So the Chiefs could go that way. They could opt to just throw Mahomes in there, take that contract, and get rid of Smith. But um, we'll see. It would be interesting if Smith goes out and wins a Super Bowl for Kansas City, what they would do. It's a great question, though, Rick. Thank you. <laughs> so the thing the thing is about Alex uh, Smith, Kansas City uh, quarterback, I think a lot of people, I like the way that he, that he plays. He manages the game. He's not a, a cannon, if you will. So if you're looking for somebody that's going to throw it through the air a lot, that's not your guy. But I, I, I kind of think he's down the home there in Kansas City. Don't you think so, Ed? Yeah, I did, but you know what? What's a home in in the NFL these days? You know how realistic True. is Valid it to point. finish? Yeah, how realistic is it to finish with the same team that you know you you made that home with? It's it's very tough to do. You don't see it often, you know. And I know I always compare things to Philly, but that's you know the team I'm with. So, uh, you know, you look at a player like Brent Selleck, the tight end for Philly, who's been in this league ever since he got drafted with Philadelphia, and now he's going to retire as an Eagle, but. You know, he, he's certainly the, the rarity uh, uh, that you see. So, you know, I wouldn't put a lot of stock in that, you know, find a home type of thing for Alex Smith. These guys, if they think they can still play and, they're, and the team that they're with doesn't want them, they're going to move right along and, and try to continue their career somewhere else. 
Well, let's uh, move around the league here. We'll take these games in, not in any one particular in any particular order, but it is opening weekend. We'll try to get to as many of them as we can, but we certainly a few of them that we definitely want to talk about. And certainly, as you mentioned, uh, you're uh, calling us down there from the city of brotherly love, uh, in a team that you guys love to give love to, and that's the Washington Redskins. Uh, and uh, you guys are headed out to D.C. to play that game. Uh, let's let's break that game down. What are your thoughts, the Eagles and the Redskins opening weekend. Yeah, you know, I think it's a great matchup. The Eagles have their 0-5 in the last five games against Washington. and uh, Kirk Cousins always has a big game against the Eagles, it seems. He's very good at carving them up, uh, you know, especially late. You know, they play pretty close games, these two. The Eagles have lost five in a row, but they've all been within a touchdown. Uh, so it's going to be, I think, another close game. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Kirk Cousins plays without – you know, two of his top targets from last year, uh, the, the two receivers, uh, uh, Jackson and Garcon, have moved on. Uh, you know, but Terrell Pryor, is, it's certainly time for him to see, uh, you know, if he can live up to what he did in his first year as a full-time receiver last year. And then, you know, they have Jamison Crowder, who's very shifty in the slot. So I think what Washington's going to try to do is I think they're going to try to run the ball right at Jim Schwartz's defense uh, and, and try to loosen up uh, that you know, that defense a little bit and then try to hit the Eagles with the pass game because the Eagles are a little vulnerable on the corners. You know, they have Ronald Darby who they traded for on one side, but they have a second year kid in uh, Jalen Mills uh, who's going to be making his first start on the outside. He played a lot last year as a rookie inside at the slot position, but he's moving inside and it's going to be interesting to see who covers Crowder in the slot. Uh, Dexter McDougal, who they traded for from the Jets probably will get an opportunity to do so. The veteran Patrick Robinson, who, they signed from the Colts after the Colts released him. He'll get a shot. Um, but I, you know, I just think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be back and forth, and it could come down to whoever has the ball last is going to win. It's you know, obviously you have Wentz. You know, see what kind of step he makes. He's got the two new receivers and Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith. We didn't see a lot of them in the preseason. You know, in fact, Wentz only threw 23 passes in the preseason. Torrey Smith only had one catch in the preseason. Alshon Jeffrey wasn't targeted an awful lot. So this is going to be the game where the wraps come off, but is it going to be the kind of game where it's going to take them a little while to find that chemistry? We're going to see. And uh, I just, I just think that it's going to be a high scoring game. And I think both offenses will find a lot of room to operate. Rick, do you have uh, any uh, questions or thoughts on the Eagles and the Redskins? Uh no, sir. You know, Annalise does a great job just covering all areas every time he's on. Love talking to him. Nope, I don't have anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> that That is why Ed Kratz is our official, our That's official why NFL. That's why that is absolutely right. Let's talk about a game. You know, it, maybe it's not a, a big game in the aspects of being a big game, but it's a big game, especially if you're a Colts fan, which I am. I had no secret there. Uh, but uh, they, they play on the Rams, and so uh, they take on the Rams on opening day out in, in Los Angeles. I think this is a, a matchup to watch because Andrew Luck is not going to play. Uh, and I think if we – were to read into the tea leaves, the only person who's really could and would be worried about the return of Andrew Luck is the fans, maybe, but definitely only Chuck Pagano. I think in the organization, they're okay with just milking this along. Uh, and I think what we saw with that trade with Jacoby Brissett from New England to Philip with Philip Brissett, uh, to me, that is just 
uh, a sign that they don't look for Andrew Luck to be back anytime soon. I, I look for Jacoby Brissett to be uh, the Q2 uh, beginning next week. That would be my anticipation. But because of it being such a, 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 a huge quarterback uh narrative across the nation. I mean, everybody's paying attention to the Indianapolis Colts and Andrew Luck. It's just one of the biggest news stories in the NFL, and I'm not just saying that because I live here in Indianapolis and love the Colts. It is just a big news story. So that makes this game a, a, a good matchup and a good game uh, to watch. Uh, what are your thoughts, Ed, the Colts and the Rams and the whole quarterback uh, situation in the, and uh, the trade to, uh, for uh, Jacoby Brissett and Philip Dorsett with the New England Patriots? They dealt. They, they traded with the enemy. You never do that. You never do that. But go ahead. <laughs> well, the Eagles traded Donovan McNabb to the Washington Redskins on Easter Sunday back in 2009, and that didn't really work out too well for the Redskins. But, um, <laughs> but you know, listen, Tom, I'm in a I'm in a quandary. Really, I don't know which jersey to buy. Do I buy Scott Tolzien or do I do I buy Jacoby Brissett? I mean, you know, if I'm a fan of the Colts, where where am I going here? Uh, I would keep yeah, your luck, Jersey. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I hope so. I hope he gets himself healthy and gets himself back out there, you know, sooner rather than later. I, you know, I love Andrew Luck. I like watching him play. I think he's dynamic and and all that. But you know, I think you hit it right on the head there, Tom. I think by trading for Brissett, and he gave up quite a bit. You know, Dorsett was a, you know, a promising young receiver, and uh, but I think by trading for him, that may be an indicator that Andrew might be out for a little while here. And, you know, Brissett, once he sort of gets his feet on the ground after that late trade, could be in there. A lot's going to depend on how Scott Tolzien looks, uh, you know, in Los Angeles this weekend. So, uh, you know, I think it was a good trade for Indy if they think uh, Luck's going to be out a while. Uh, it might even still be a good trade if he's not because then he's your number two guy and you can develop him and you can be confident that he's a capable number two quarterback. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting matchup out there in Los Angeles. You know, you Tolzien and you have Jared Goff. You know, we'll see what Goff has. I think the Colts will be aided a little bit, and Tolzien especially, because I think Aaron Donald's holding out still, and he's not going to play in this game. You know, the great defensive tackle, he wants more money. Um, so he's not going to play. So that's going to help. But, uh, you know, I think we'll see what Tolzien has. And if he comes out and he somehow finds a way to get a win here, then he'll keep Jacoby Brissett parked on the bench for as long as it takes. And, if you're a Colts fan, you have to cross your fingers and hope luck comes back, you know, sometime, you know, sometime this month or early next month. I, I don't know what the long-term prognosis is, but, boy, you want to see him get back and you want to see him do well. I like him. I think he's a good, you know, good kid. And like I said, I like watching him play, so I hope he's, he's back soon. Absolutely. Uh, Rick, uh, any thoughts on the Colts and the Rams before we move on? Yeah, I'd actually like to see Jacoby Brissett play here next week or two because I think he's adds a, a, another element to the offense because he's a, a dual threat guy. He can also he can get out and run, throw on the run. I think uh, Tolzien's just more your pocket passer. So here in the next couple of weeks, I'd like to see this offense with uh, Jacoby. Yeah, I tell you, you what, center, you know, you know, I hope Ryan Kelly's absence. You know, that's a big absence too, right up front there. Um, you know, you hope whoever's at back there can keep. Tolzien or Brissett healthy, uh, you know, behind that line. And that's that's a big question mark. That's been the question mark for the Colts for a while now is that offensive line, I think. 
Well, you know, a feel-good game, I, I mean, when I say this, I mean this quite quite literally. I'm not making fun. But a feel-good game uh, on opening weekend couldn't be anything better than the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. And I remember uh, post-Katrina when the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees uh, took the, the field. It was an amazing atmosphere, an amazing time. And I think this is really what the city of Houston needs right now after all that they've been through and all. And, you know, hats off. Hats off to the Houston Texans. They really put football second. They they were out there raising money. You got look at JJ Watt. Look at what he done for the reliefs. And I know we're all focused on Irma now, but just just a few weeks ago, we Harvey was a devastating, massive uh, storm that just basically in a lot of ways wiped out the entire city of Houston. And for them to be able to play their home opener on opening uh, weekend. Uh, I think is such a feel-good story, but it is also a football game. So the feel-good game and the game that I think that a lot of people are going to watch is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. And even if they both are in the AFC South, I'm rooting for the the Texans this weekend. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I don't think you can root against the Texans really. I mean, for the city of Houston to, to recover, well said, Tom. I mean, that's uh you know, what this game is going to mean in that area, I think is going to be huge. And, you know, kudos to JJ Watt. What, what's he raised uh, over $18 million, you know, for that area. I think, and, close um, to, I think, it, I think it's getting yeah. close to 20, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's just amazing. Really. Uh, you know, and I, I think you're right. You get, you have to root for Houston in this game, whether you're a fan of the Colts or any other team in the, in that division. Um, you know, I think that it just makes sense to, you know, hope they can get their feet on the ground. And you look at how the news cycle works. You mentioned we're focused on Irma. And, you know, you think, all right, Houston's done and over with. We've moved past that. But those people down there are still, you know, struggling, obviously, with, uh, you know, so much. And, and this game, I think, will go a long way. Whether Houston can win it or not, you know, there's another quarterback situation. Uh, I think Tom Savage is going to open, you know, keeping Deshaun Watson, the rookie, on the bench. But Tom Savage gets to start uh, at quarterback. And, um, you know, there's some other things to look at at the quarterback with Blake Bortles with Jacksonville, see how he is, you know, his, his job security isn't exactly on solid footing right now. So, you know, beyond what it's going to mean for that, that devastated area, there, there's still this game and there's still that intrigue as to which quarterback is going to rise to the occasion. And I think we're going to get a, a look at, uh, you know, the, the running back for Jacksonville, the rookie from LSU, um, his name, Leonard Fournette. He, he, yeah, Leonard Fournette. So, you know, there's there's a lot of – I love week one just because of all the intrigue with all the new names. And, you know, we think we know what these teams are, and then we see week one, and then we kind of change our opinions from there. But it, it's going to be a big game. I think you're right. A lot of people are going to watch this, and I think everybody should be pulling for Houston. You know, I wish we had time to get on all the games, but, but we don't, uh, unfortunately. But it is kind of weird to see uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Las Vegas uh, Raiders. <laughs> it is kind of weird to, to, to see those, uh, those uh, things. But I know we've got to get to our uh, breaking rink college football segment brought to, to us by the Indiana Ambet, a certainly great organization. And then I know that they took a, a bunch of stuff down to semi-loads down to Houston as well. Uh, so we, we appreciate Appreciate them being a part of our our college show, but we do got to get into the college football talk. So to put a put a bow on it, if you was to open up opening weekend, uh, talk with us about some key games and what can we as fans of NFL fans uh, um, be looking forward to as opening weekend with the NFL, Steve. 
Ed. Uh, yeah. Ed. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even know who Steve no. is. Just go ahead. My brain is fried. You know who you are. Go ahead, go ahead Ed. I'm sorry. It's like, is, is there uh, somebody the else that joined us? I'll tell you, I, I think the game I like on this schedule is the Seahawks at, you know, and, and Green Bay, the Seahawks at, at Green Bay. I think this could be, you know, a preview of maybe an NFC championship game, kind of like we saw with Kansas City and New England on Thursday. You know, Seattle got better by getting uh, that big defensive tackle, uh, Sheldon Richardson in the trade. And, uh, you know, it, it's on the road for Seattle, so we'll see how uh, you know, Russell Wilson performs. I always like watching him play too. Fun quarterback to watch. And of course, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, he's been doing it for a long time. So that to me is the marquee game of this weekend. You know, you can say what you want about that Sunday night game, the Cowboys and the Giants, uh, you know, the Ezekiel Elliott drama, you know, I guess that injunction has been upheld and he could end up playing the whole season. Now you, there's just so much uncertainty surrounding Dallas and New York's got Odell Beckham with the ankle. Is he going to play? Probably not. Um, but that's an interesting game. But to me, my money, for my money, it's the it's the uh, Seahawks and Packers. That's the game I'll be looking forward to. It. I think that's a 4:30 kickoff too. So that's a good time. Well, well, absolutely, uh, uh, Rick. Any final thoughts on NFL opening weekend, sir? Uh, yeah, this segment here is actually a thousand times better having Ed on with us. Uh, you know, because last <laughs> week, for whatever reason, we had one of those NFL segments last weekend and, and just fell flat on its face for whatever reason. You know, that happens from time to time. So we just ended up breaking down which beer tastes better. You know, so, <laughs> and thank you for coming on and making this segment a thousand times better than last week. Oh, man, Rick, I appreciate yes, that. I, I, I love yeah, doing it. Yeah, yes, Ed. Last week we kind of had uh, a hamburger helper. Today it's good to have a, a, a porterhouse on the plate. With it. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you the last Make week. But that, that, that segment went downhill fast from the get-go, and so we just started talking about Yingling and Bud Light, Coors Light, and which one is uh, right, best for this and that. And, and, yeah. right. That's right. So. <laughs> It, yep, you guys a, are making me hungry a, and thirsty now. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm having a, I'm I, I'm having a cookout at my house. I know I invited you, Ed. You can't come. I know I invited know. you, Rick. You can't come. But if things change, though, we, you still got time to get here. We st- we're going to kick off around four o'clock. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm welcome to stick around. Absolutely. Is Rick going to is Rick going to talk college football yeah. with us? Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Rick's going to talk college football with us. And we, and we also got Mo from the BS Sports Show, who joins us in our normal segment, uh, where we just BS about sports, and that's Mo with BS Sports Show, and uh, Mo joins us as well. So the whole gang is the band is back together. Mo from the BS Sports Show, uh, Kratz, our official NFL cr- contributor, and Rick Riggin. Mo, how are you doing, sir? I am doing wonderful this morning, Tom, and yourself. Fantastic, fantastic. Guys, we're going to take a break, and we'll get back, and we'll get into some college football talk, and, and uh, we'll salt and pepper it a little bit with maybe a little bit more NFL talk. My name is Tom Mark El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network.
Taking a family of five to the amusement park can cost a small fortune. Oh, yeah. So to save some money, we thought, hey, let's bring the amusement park to us. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Uh, step right up. Step right up, young man. Are you ready to ride the Wacky Waterfall? That's just the bathtub with the shower head running. Nope, it's the Wacky Waterfall. It's the shower, Dad. Waterfall. Wacky. There's an easier way to save. To get a free rate quote, go to Geico.com. Then buy online, over the phone, or at your local Geico office. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. It's O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stop in today and check out store-wide savings, plus earn double points on over 225 items. It's our way of saying thank you. If you're not already a member, sign up today during O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month. It's fast, easy, and free. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. And welcome back to The Balance. My name is Saul Mark with Seattle Presidente. We're kind of running segments together, but it is time for the Indiana AmVets Breaking Rank. And we appreciate everything that the Indiana AmVets does for us. Rick, I know you're very active with the AmVets. And certainly uh, a, 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 you work good on getting them to uh, uh, sponsor Breaking Rank. Because what we do is we break down all of the uh, biggest college football action of the week. The Indiana AmVets uh, Breaking Rank. Go ahead, Rick. What What are your thoughts on the on the I know they did a lot uh, with uh, Harvey, and I know they're doing a lot uh, with uh, probably Irma. Talk with us a little bit about the AMVETS, what they are, and how can people get involved with them. Uh, definitely a great way to help support your local veterans is to get down to your local AMVETS post. You know, it's probably one close by where you're at. Just uh, go down and figure it, you know, see what you got to do to get signed up. I mean, you don't have to be a veteran to be a member at MVETS. You could be a relative, you know, you could be a spouse. Uh, it, it, it's simple. Just go down, get an application, sign up. It, it's a yearly fee. It, it's it's cheap. Here in Indiana, it's 30 bucks a year. But, yes, they do uh, support veterans uh, that come home from uh, overseas and support their families and, you know, all the community service work that they do. You know, they put together the semi-load of uh, donations and everything for uh Harvey victims, I'm, I'm sure they're going to do the same thing for Irma, you know, depending on how bad this, this one's going to be. It looks pretty bad. So if you'd like to get involved, uh, definitely go check out your local AMVETS post and, uh, you know, get signed up. Absolutely. Great organization for, for veterans, and I, I know that they uh, do a lot. Also, this is our normal uh, BS about sports, uh, and we've got Mo from the BS uh, Sports Show. Uh, Mo, uh, we're going to be talking some college football and NFL, so uh, that's the, the, the beauty about your segment is we just BS about sports. So, you know, if, it, if it's beer, if it's fried chicken or waffles, if we can intertwine uh, sports in it, uh, you're good as well. And uh, carrying over with us is our porterhouse <laughs> inside joke. You, you weren't listening 
listening to the other segment. Uh, Ed is our porterhouse as far as uh, NFL uh, contributor, and he's uh, sticking around to talk some college football. So certainly let's get to the big games of, of the week, and we'll start because it's right here at home. And I know Rick loves to talk Notre Dame, so let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. Notre Dame and Georgia, talk with us a little bit about your thoughts from last week's game, uh, uh Rick, and uh, this week, Notre Dame, Georgia. This is a big must. A lot of people would say a must win for Notre Dame this week. Well, definitely. This game is going to tell us a story. Like I said earlier, you know, in the NFL segment, that uh, it's uh, easy to want to overreact to what you see in, in week one at 422 uh, uh, you know, rushing yards against Temple. I mean, we don't really know how good Temple is this year, even though they're back-to-back 10-win seasons and they won the American Conference last year. But they lost some pieces from last year. They lost their head coach, Matt Rule, is now the head coach at Baylor. So this is a totally different monster than what Temple was last week in Georgia. Bigger guys up front, more athletic guys. Uh, SEC is usually, uh, you know, pretty great uh, defensive team. So I know the, the the spread is close, and, and I know Mo keeps track of the spread. It's like four or five points. So. I, I expect it's going to be an Irish win tonight. I don't think it's going to be that close, really. I think Notre Dame is going to win by 17, and I say that cautiously. <laughs> Mo, what are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, Notre, Notre Dame uh, in uh, Georgia uh, today, what are your thoughts, and, and what are you hearing about uh, the legal betting on the game? <laughs> Oh, well, if uh, if Ed's the porterhouse, that would make me the outhouse, I guess, of the of the balance of the show. <laughs> um, the uh, the uh, the concern for me with Notre Dame, they looked well last week against Temple, and, and Temple's a decent team. But how is that defensive front going to play against that uh, Georgia O line and and uh, Nick Chubb? And, and are they going to be able to contain him? Uh, we saw we saw good numbers offensive wise from Notre Dame last week, but again, their Achilles heel last year was the defense. And we saw a decent showing from them last week that they still let Temple get off some big plays. And now with a, a team the caliber of Georgia coming in with that offense, that's, uh, that would concern me if I'm a Notre Dame fan at this point. Uh, as far as the uh, point spread, it, it is too close. This is one that I'm not going to put my money on uh, just because it's one of those games that I, I don't feel comfortable uh, about uh, Notre Dame's defense. So I won't be betting on the point spread as it is three and a half right now. So I'm going to keep my money in my pocket. Uh, I see a note <laughs> just, because I, I, just because I think it's, it's in South Bend. I think if it's, it's down to the, at Georgia, I might, I might feel differently, but I'm going to say Notre Dame was a close game. And uh, Kratz, uh, any thoughts on, uh, on uh, Notre Dame and Georgia uh, this evening? <laughs> I just love listening to you guys. I'm going to spend my day today watching <laughs> college football, and I want to – I want to hear some angles and storylines and things I should be looking for. But I'll say this about Notre Dame. They have a kid on that team, a running back, Josh Adams, who uh, is from the Philadelphia suburbs. I've seen him play. My son actually played against him when my son played football in high school. And, uh, you know, he's a, I think he's a pretty dynamic and prolific back. Big guy, fun to watch, big game last week. And, uh, you know, I hope he continues to develop and have a good career. Maybe we see him playing on Sunday. Well, maybe one of the games you'll watch today, uh, Ed, is uh, Pittsburgh and Penn State. I'll tell you what, I started watching Penn State last week, and then I thought, man, this is a bloodbath. i got to turn away. Now, if Penn State can continue what they were doing last week, I, I know that's a, that's a big if, but if they can continue doing what they did last week, they are on a roll to a BCS uh, bowl game. I just believe that. Uh, so, uh, uh, Penn State, Pittsburgh, any thoughts on that game, Ed? 
Oh, it's on my menu. That's for sure. I'll be watching it. And, you know, I'm a Penn State fan. My wife went there. Um, so I did not turn away during that bloodbath against uh, Akron last week. I love <laughs> watching it. So, so uh, yeah, but and Pitt beat them last year. Pitt beat Penn State in a very wide-open, high-scoring game, I think it was. And, uh, you know, Penn State, it's at, at Penn State this week or today. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to watch it. 3.30 kick. I already have that circled on my calendar. Ready to I go. Ready say, to go. Welcome, well, welcome to the Heisman Conversation, Saquon Barkley for Penn State. Yeah. So, um, any any thoughts, uh, Mo, on uh, Pittsburgh, Penn State? Uh, Penn State's a fun team to watch. It, it's good to see that uh, that program has started to rebound and, and put things in the past uh, uh, from the Jerry Sandusky thing. However, there is a story out by CNN this morning uh, saying that Joe Paterno had earlier knowledge of, uh, of what went on with Jerry Sandusky and turned a blind eye. So, I'm sure that will be discussed at some point today. CNN released that story this morning. So, uh, you know, I, I'm ready to separate the two. Hopefully we can stop hearing stories nonstop about it and put it in the past and just watch this uh, dynamic football team that James Franklin has helped put back on the uh, map in Penn State. So it should be a fun day today for uh, for Penn State. I look forward to another high-scoring game just like last year, and uh, I think this is one that Nittany Lions definitely pull out. Uh, however, I don't think another game I won't be putting my money on just because I think they're, uh, they're giving Penn State a little too much credit after, uh, after the game last year. So, I like Penn State in this game, but keep my money in my pocket. There are some games that have been postponed and or canceled because of Irma and how it, how it affects. you got to remember with students and colleges, uh, the setup is a little bit different. Uh, certainly uh, 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 L.A. Monroe, Louisiana Monroe, Florida State's been postponed. South Florida, Connecticut's been postponed. Uh, the Miami, uh, Miami Hurricane game, which – Maybe they'll change their mascot after this weekend. And uh, Arkansas State, that game is canceled. So because of what's going on down there in Irma, and in all seriousness, guys, I know we we mentioned this before, and I've beat a dead horse throughout the show. Certainly, if you're listening to this show in that area, get the hell out of Dodge. I mean, it is a very, 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 very serious storm, and I I cannot emphasize that enough. Hopefully, you're listening to us. either in the podcast version or you're listening to us in a safe location. I Hopefully you're not listening to us uh, watching uh, the wind increase in your area in South Florida. And I know we have a lot of listeners all across the state of Florida, so certainly uh, thoughts and prayers to them. I hope everybody uh, uh, stays safe. So let's just, Rick, let's go to another big game of the week. I think that a lot of people are, are talking about uh, it's, uh, certainly uh, Oklahoma and Ohio State. What are your thoughts? Ohio State, i, I got to say I like my Hoosiers in the first half. Uh, I know that we talked about this last week, but I, I, I liked them in the first half, so I just you know, got to keep gotta keep talking about my Hoosiers, but really uh, Oklahoma and Ohio State, what are your thoughts, Rick? Well, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you know, Baker Mayfield, you're looking at that Ohio State-Indiana game, and it's like, hey, uh, there's some plays to be made against that Ohio State secondary, because uh, IU just exposed that secondary for Ohio State in that first half in that game. You know, now Baker Mayfield is looking at that, you know, might be the best dual-threat quarterback in the country. Run, throw, throw on the run. However, which combination you want to use, he can do it. Uh, Bigger playmakers for Oklahoma is going to test that Ohio State secondary. Uh, If if you're Ohio State, you need to find a passing game, but you need to start it up front with your big eyes uh, on the offensive line and feed J.K. Dobbins, the freshman running back for Ohio State, because J.T. Barrett can't do it all himself. 
They have a new freshman phenom running back, J.K. Dobbins. So they use that to get that passing game going. I wasn't real impressed with the passing game against IU either. But IU did expose that Ohio State secondary. So if you're Oklahoma, you're licking your chops. We're just talking about all kinds of food today, aren't we? <laughs> oh, we, we use all the food analogies, yes. <laughs> That's right, absolutely. Uh, no, no, no more of that uh, dusting the ring off the dust off the ring, whatever the hell that was saying. Where is it? Knock off the Knock ring rust. rust. Knock off the ring rust. That's what it was. Dang hillbilly talk. I tell you what, we we infuse it all. So, uh, Mo, what are your your uh, thoughts on uh, Oklahoma and Ohio? Ohio State, sorry, the Ohio State. Well, you know, first of all, I think Oklahoma is looking for a little redemption after uh, the drubbing they took at home last year against the Ohio State. Uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, as Rick mentioned, uh, there, there wasn't uh, a lot to be impressed by the uh, Ohio State secondary. However, though, most of their secondary from last year is playing in the NFL and going to be playing on Sundays this year. Here's my thing with Urban Meyer. You know, with the Ezekiel Elliott uh, thing that came out with all the stuff that was going on while he was in college and a couple of other uh, players that have uh, had issues there. Uh, I, I think at some point, even as inept as the NCAA is, there's going to be some people looking into the Ohio State football program. And as we know, when, when things get hot for Urban Meyer, he suddenly has uh, some health issues and, and has to move on to another program. So uh, maybe the pressure of that will uh, start to rain down on Urban Meyer in this program a little bit. It's still they've got a, a ton of five-star and four-star athletes on this program. Uh, they're, they're good every year. Uh, JT Barrett's going to have to step up and become more of a playmaker than he was the other night uh, against uh, Indiana in the first half. Uh, I, I think it's closer this year than last year. Baker Mayfield uh, uh, is a guy that can definitely uh, make something happen down the field against that secondary. Uh, I'm taking Ohio State, or, or excuse me, Oklahoma. I already took Oklahoma and the points uh, as I placed the bet earlier for entertainment purposes only on here, but uh, taking <laughs> Ohio, uh, Oklahoma and the, uh, and, and the points and the eight points. Uh, Ed, any thoughts on uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State? Um, well, keep an eye on the shoes, I guess, right? Ohio State, aren't they wearing some kind of cleat with uh, it's the LeBron James cleats? Uh, you know, I think uh, you know they're going to have this big O on their cleats, and uh, LeBron James makes it. It's got some LeBron James has a name for it, LeBron Soldier Eleven cleat, I think. So I'll be watching the shoes, really. I mean, I, you know, in what, between you know a shoes? beer or two. There you go. I guess. Watching I mean, that's shoe. my thought on the game. Yeah. At least it's not a, a LeVon Ball or whatever shoe, whatever his name is. Uh, I'm, I'm glad NBA is <laughs> over. I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of hearing hearing about uh, about him. So uh, let's let's move on, uh, Rick. And certainly this is the uh, uh, breaking rank segment, and we're kind of infusing it with the BS about sports segment. So we're kind of uh, talking a little bit about that, and we'll and we'll uh, sprinkle on a little NFL here in just a moment. But certainly breaking rank brought to us by Indiana AmVets, a great organization, great support your veterans. Uh, check them out. But let's uh, talk about USC and Stanford. Uh, yeah, USC and Stanford there, Rick. Yeah, well, Sam Darnold, USC, a little less than stellar last week against uh, Central Michigan. Uh, this is a much more potent defense against Stanford uh, this week. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing how, how he uh, rebounds. I don't know if rebounds the right word, but, you know, he's the Heisman favorite. You know, he's probably supposed to throw for 8,000 yards last week. And, you know, they, they had to fight off a pesky Central Michigan team, and he didn't have that great of a game, so – I see how he uh, rebounds. I'll, I'll use that word anyway. Rebounds against Stanford this weekend. Uh, you know, 
Stanford's all, always pretty good on them. They played Rice in Australia two weeks ago, put up over 60 points on them. Uh, it's hard to gauge, really, how good, good Stanford is, but uh, this game's always great every year, so uh, interesting interesting matchup, especially for Sam Darnold. Uh, Mo, what are your thoughts on, on on that game? I apologize. That's okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, the thing that last week's game was really close, and, and I give a lot of props to uh, – Western Michigan and their new coach after P.J. Fleck left and went to Minnesota. They put, a, you know, one of the perfect game plans together for most of the game, kept it close. And, uh, you know, Sam Darnold was uh, was okay but wasn't impressive. And I agree with Rick. It'll be uh, interesting to see uh, how he plays against a uh, team in Stanford who always has a, a very big uh, offensive and defensive line. Uh, you know, I, I like the fact that if you're a, a wagerer in this game that uh, Stanford is the underdog and getting four and a half points at this point. So, uh I, I think some of my uh, my money will be going on the Stanford Cardinals. Now, uh, I know, and we joke with Mo all the time because we know what he does for a living on his other shows is he ha- actually is on radio shows and shows out in Vegas where they actually talk real serious uh, betting and, and, you know, the real serious uh, uh, talks and conversation about betting. So we know that, that, that Mo really does – do this for a living, but understands the point lines in the system. So let's talk a little bit about opening uh, weekend with the NFL, Mo. Uh, certainly, where, where are people looking at? Where are people, if you were to uh, go to any of the uh, betting sites, which we don't endorse officially here, but any of the betting sites, you, I, I'm sure you could guide them to uh, through social media, whatever. But certainly, as we look at opening weekend in the NFL, Mo, uh, where where would you go to be a fun, safe betting uh, gambler for the weekend? Well, a team that hasn't had uh, much success uh, recently in Chicago, I like the uh, Atlanta Falcons because the point spread's not huge in that game. I, I like the Atlanta Falcons uh, in that game. You know, I, I had a, a pretty big uh, win of the other night with the uh, Chiefs. Uh, you know, there's uh, – I, I, like, I like the Browns a little bit as the line moved a little bit more. Uh, overnight uh, to plus ten and a half. So, you know, maybe that's a lot of points in the NFL. No matter you know what football team you are, ten and a half points in an NFL football game uh, is a lot. And and maybe the uh, the Browns can keep the, uh, the Steelers you know within a nine point range. Uh, so for a fun bet, uh, I like that one. I'm staying away from uh, from our Colts uh, at the Rams just because they look like an injury disaster so far uh, in the preseason. Uh, but uh, you know, there's uh, there's very very few games this week that I tend to put money on in week one, just because I mean I'm excited to bet, but I, I want to see what the teams actually are, not just from preseason and a little bit we see that they're starters. A uh, fun game to look at would be Sunday night, the Giants and the Cowboys with uh, Ezekiel. As soon as he was announced to play, the, the point spread moved, and the uh, Dallas Cowboys are giving the Giants four points. The Giants beat the, on the Cowboys last year too. So I took the Giants and the points, but I think the Giants win that one outright. So it could be a, a good money line play where you can uh, double up your money. Ed Kratz, our official uh, contributor for the uh, NFL. Uh, I'm not uh, saying that you know a lot about gambling on the NFL, but certainly you know the NFL. So uh, thoughts on on uh, opening weekend and, you know, doing the fun wager stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean – I, I that point spread in Cleveland, that 10, 10 and a half points, um, that is a lot of points to give. But, you know, when you look at Cleveland starting a rookie quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser, Pittsburgh's, you know, got the experience. I mean, I, I really think if I was a betting man, and listen, don't 
please don't go out and make any wagers on what I'm saying here. But I would take Pittsburgh <laughs> in that game and, and forfeit the points because uh, I just think Pittsburgh is going to tune them up. Uh, I think they're going to really get after Kaiser. Uh, it's a tough spot for a rookie who, you know, really struggled his last year at Notre Dame uh, last year, right, Rick? If I remember correctly, he, you know, he, he had a, a tough yeah. final season yeah. in South Bend. So uh, I just think this is a tough spot for him. You know, he may be the quarterback of the future, but I don't think the future starts Sunday. And I think the Steelers are just going to get after him and they're going to beat him. Uh, I think they're going to beat him by two, three touchdowns. I really do. So, uh, that line strikes me. I know I know it is always a lot to give up, but, you know, it is Cleveland. It's a rookie quarterback, and it's against a Pittsburgh team that, you know, could be poised to make a, a long playoff run. So I would take that game. But, again, please don't go out and, and put the mortgage on whatever <laughs> I'm saying. Please. Let's hope you don't put the mortgage on, on anything. You know, I typically <laughs> don't bet, but, you know, I did – I did, uh, and I learned something, which Mo, I, I counted on Mo to do a little off-the-air coaching with me, so I have to admit I kind of followed his advice. So I did win some, a little money. Uh, uh, how much is not important, but it wasn't a lot, but it wasn't a little. It was in between. Uh, so <laughs> it was more than 100, okay? I'll put it that way. But anyway, uh, on the Conor McGregor fight that I, that I thought, okay, I'll go ahead and do it. But what I did learn and didn't know that, Mo, you did not tell me, that these sites are overseas. So and you are. gotta like buy the you gotta buy these coins or whatever bit bit coins whatever they're called and you gotta make a deposit so you you know they take that off your credit card da 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 didn't think anything about it made the bet went about my day uh, uh, went to Walmart had some stuff that I was buying for my party tonight had a cart full of stuff it was like it was up there it was about 150 bucks or something and then I went to swipe my card it said denied I'm like what. I'm like, and I, and I, I'm like freaking out. I'm like sitting, and there's these people, you know. There's always that guy that's got to be mad because somebody's credit card doesn't work, right? <laughs> so I'm like, hey, I guess I don't know what to do here. And so I said, can I call him real quick? And she's like, she was real nice. She's like, yeah, go ahead and call him. So instead of the credit card company calling me, telling me, hey, we noticed some some activity that isn't normal for you. Uh, we just froze your card, and they said, was this you? I said, yes, it absolutely was me. And I was like, okay, well, we'll unfreeze it, and then they were able to do the transaction. But, Mo, you never told me, so I guess I just disturbed the whole ecosystem by uh, by betting on the Conor McGregor fight. Uh, but, yeah, I guess there's a whole process there, Mo. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, there is a whole process. And there's other side. you know, you were kind of under the gun to make your bet, but – you know, I can give you some sites to where that goes a lot quicker. But yeah, there are there are some steps to it because unfortunately, uh, you know, in all but a couple states, the online wagering is illegal for now. I think the uh, the team, the Raiders, moving to Vegas will help uh, move that process along a lot quicker. Maybe uh, because let's be honest, the, I think a lot of the NFL's popularity has has grown over the last ten years has been not only fantasy football, but the fact that people love wagering on football. You know, sooner or later, we'll see the uh, the online U.S. betting uh, become uh, a lot uh, legal and a, a lot more proficient. I hope so. Well, I, I don't bet a lot, so it, it's all ga- good in, in the world. All's good in, in uh, the, the world again. And we need to get to the, the, the our last game, but I, real quickly, Mo, just, just for purposes of disclosure, I know that you're on the, the, the different shows and the, and the betting shows out in Vegas, and, and you, you talk to a lot of high-dollar, high-stake gambling and have a, a lot of conversations about that. But talk with us a little bit about 
just real quickly on some of the warning signs you want to give to people because we make jokes, don't, don't gamble the mortgage. But in all reality, there are people who do that. What are some helpful advice that you might get to, to help people just keep it in moderation and keep it in fun? As they say, all things are good in moderation. Well, first and foremost, don't bet on your own team. Bet with your head, not with your heart. So I don't ever bet on the, on the teams that are my, my teams. I don't ever bet on the Colts because my heart starts to get in the way of what I think will happen. Uh, so I never bet on teams that uh, that I follow. Uh, you know, I, I tend to uh, uh, bet on teams where I, I think, and I, you know, I have information that I, I do a lot of research, and I think uh, that uh, you know are decent plays. And I only bet uh, money that I set aside that I can afford to lose should I lose. So that's the that's the key. If you can't afford to lose it, then don't bet it. You know, it's, uh, I have a, a separate account set aside, and then I only bet uh, throughout the season with my winnings. So if I if I happen to go broke in week two of the NFL. I'm done for the year. So, you know, I have my set amount set aside, and, and that's it. So, you know, be smart with what you do. And the worst thing you can do is, is try to make up at the end of the day. Uh, you know, if you've had a bad Saturday of college football, don't be sit there, you know, with the 10 beers and uh, trying to bet on Hawaii and Cal, you know, uh, midway through the game <laughs> because you're trying to recoup what you've already lost. It, that never works out, uh, and it's such a bad idea. And Or don't try to recoup on an NFL Sunday and go heavy in games because you lost a lot on Saturday. So, you know, there's a – only do what you can uh, afford to lose. And that's, that's how I look at every game when I put the money out there. I look at it like I'm going to lose it, so that way I, you know, I've already set that aside and know that it could be gone. Great, great advice. And certainly going into opening weekend, I know a lot of people put wagers on that. Let's get to our, our final game of our Indiana AMVETS Breaking Rink uh, segment, Rick. And uh, certainly we want to talk about Cle- uh, Clemson and Auburn. And guess what we're not talking about this week? We're not talking about Alabama because it's a, a non-factor. But, Rick, uh, Clemson and Auburn today. Yeah, just like uh, this game is just like uh, Notre Dame and Georgia, or you know, Ohio State, Oklahoma. It, it, it's really set the tone for the rest of the year. Uh, Clemson's dealing with life without Deshaun Watson. Uh, I know they put up a ton of points last week. Uh, this is a very different animal they're facing this week, though. In Auburn, uh, Auburn has a pretty good quarterback, Jared Stidham, who transferred over from Baylor. Uh, this was a good game last year. Clemson got the win, obviously. So. Uh, I don't know what to make of this game just yet because both teams just, you know, like I said, it's easy to want to overreact to week one. So neither one's really been tested yet. This that test coming tonight. I want to say Clemson's going to get a, a, a close win. You know, I, I, I think they still look good. I like what I see in their, in their uh, new, new quarterback. So uh, I'm going with Clemson in a close game in this one. Mo, what are your thoughts, uh, uh, Clemson or Auburn? Well, you know, when, uh, a lot of times when I do talk about betting on some of these shows, sometimes the best bet you can make is no bet at all, and that's what I'll be doing in this football game. Because, uh, you know, like Rick said, it is a, a two teams that uh, are, are both very talented. I'm still, you know, waiting. The jury's still out on Clemson's new quarterback, uh, you know, against the top-ranked competition. Uh, you know, but in a game like this where, where things are this close, it's hard not to go with the defending national champions. Uh, I'm going to take Clemson in the football game, but, again, another game, that uh, that makes me want to leave the money in my pocket. If this was uh, another year with Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, I'd wholeheartedly throw money on Clemson. But uh, again, it's one of those uh, those races that's too close to call at the finish line. So I'm going to uh, keep my money in my pocket. But I think Clemson uh, overall wins the football game. Let's uh, put a little warning out to our affiliate stations. You're going to lose our stream. Uh, don't worry. You can catch up uh, on online or on the podcast. It'll all be up here just uh, momentarily. Uh, so, or you can just uh, go and log on and listen to us uh, 
uh, live here on Blog Talk or on the website, uh, www.thebalanceonline.com. But either which way, if you're, uh, you're, we're about uh, 15 seconds away from losing our stream uh, to the affiliate uh, radio stations who go about shows that actually bring them an audience rather than us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll have a few more final thoughts, and then we got we got to wrap it up and put a bow on it. But uh, Ed Kratz, as, as we look at opening weekend across uh, the board, I know we didn't get to all of the games, uh, and but certainly one of the games that uh, I wanted to talk about was the, the Raiders-Tennessee uh, game. And we, we talk a little bit about all of the – the issues surrounding uh, Vegas and, and, and uh, the Raiders. But more importantly, uh, Tennessee has become the AFC South sweetheart. I don't like that, but the fact is they're a very good ga- uh, very good team this year. Yeah, well, I know you don't. Uh, why you don't like that, Tom, because they play, play in the division with the Colts. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I earlier mentioned that I like that uh, Seattle-Green Bay game as my, my game of the weekend, so to speak. But I, I, I love this Raiders-Titans game. Maybe this is my, my game number two, um, uh, just because the Titans are the darlings of, of the NFL right now with Mariota, and they added some talent, obviously, up front. Um, they're, you know, on that offense with Corey Davis, the draft pick, and they, they brought in Eric Decker, a veteran receiver. Um, you know, I think they're going to be a team to contend with for, for sure. And the Raiders made a really strong run last year. They got into the playoffs and, you know, they didn't get worse. I'll tell you that they added Marshawn Lynch, who's going to get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of publicity here in week one. So I like that game. I don't know who's going to win, but that that's another game in my book that, uh, you know, I think is must watch on Sunday. Rick, any thoughts on Tennessee and the Raiders? Well, uh, so far it, it just sounds like uh, everybody's uh, in love with Tennessee. I, I kind of like what they're doing down there with Marcus Mariota and the you know the offense they're putting together. They're also getting pretty good defensively. Uh, I actually feel like Tennessee's probably the AFC South winner this year. So, uh, yeah, Raiders are tough too. I'm actually just going to go out on a limb. Tennessee at the close win. Mo, thoughts on Raiders and uh, Tennessee? Well, you know, like I said, the the Tennessee is the darling of the NFL, and, and that's what concerns me about that football team is we said that about the Raiders for three or four years, and it took about that long for them to actually, you know, put it all together. Uh, you know, saying how many times have we said that, you know, oh, Jacksonville makes the moves. They, they, this could be the team that surprises this year, and they still haven't put it together. I think what Tennessee's done has been great. I, I like the addition of those receivers. Delaney Walker, to me, is a very underrated tight end uh, in the NFL. Uh, I think they probably win this football game. But, again, my, my antennas always go up when uh, everybody just starts loving a team uh, right away, uh, you know, in the preseason like they have uh, Tennessee. I think they're going to be a good football team. But, again, I caution, look at the Raiders. How many years in a row did we all say, oh, this is the Raiders, man, they're going to be the team. And, and they finally put it together last year. So, uh, I liked in this football game. I like them overall, what they've done. But, uh I'm not. Uh, I'm not betting the farm on on Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know, deep playoff run yet. So uh, we're, we've lost our stream. This is all webcast. This is our balance overtime. We we do this every week. Just kind of uh, have just some little final thoughts and stuff. Uh, uh, but uh, one game left, and then we'll we'll, we'll certainly uh, call it a, a day. But uh, Rick, uh, with the uh, to close out the Indiana Ambets uh, breaking rank segment, Cincinnati and Michigan. I like the way Michigan looked last week. 
However, I, they were exposed a lot as well. You talked about Ohio State being exposed by IU. Uh, Michigan was definitely exposed uh, last week. Uh, t- uh, Cincinnati at Michigan at the Big House. I think they've got everything under control. Jim Harbaugh should have no problems against the Bearcats. But Cincinnati is a very, very good team. Yeah, no problems here. Michigan is very strong defensively and clustering the Big House. That's a whole, a whole other level to a, to a Michigan game. I mean, you get to play in, a, in front of 110, 111,000 people. Uh, no problems here. And uh, and a, a question real quick about the yeah. uh, the Tennessee-Oakland game. Doesn't now I'm not trying to say anything bad or be a hater or because I actually like Marshawn Lynch, but doesn't it just feel like he's going to give them about these first two or three games of the season and he's going to get an injury because he's been injury-prone a little bit and he's old now. Doesn't just feel like he's going to give him about two or three games and just be injured for the rest of the year. <laughs> you might be right. I, I I don't know. I I can't predict that. But um, you're you're absolutely right. The history is there for him to you know have an injury, and he is older. He took the year off, and you know we'll see what he has left. He's certainly you know week one a compelling story, and uh, you know we'll see as the weeks go on exactly what he can give to that team. But you know I just think the Raiders have so much more than just him, of course. Um, you know, they have the receivers, Cooper, and they have a very good defense with Khalil Mack. And, um, you know, I think even if Lynch doesn't give them much, I still think they're positioned to uh, to, to win that division or, or at least challenge the Chiefs maybe for that division. Um, but I think they're a playoff team with or without Lynch. So we'll see. It's, a, it's a one of those storylines we have to watch week in, week out for sure. Mo, uh, final thoughts on either Cincinnati or Michigan or anything in the NFL. Final thoughts. We're going to give you the last word today, sir. Well, I think if you look at uh, if you look at Michigan last week, that uh, they were able to overcome two pick sixes in a row. You know, you look their defense uh, only gave up uh, three points. So uh, I think the most amazing thing last week is that uh, Jim Harbaugh didn't blow a gasket after those two pick sixes, kept it calm, and Michigan came out and dominated in the second half. Uh, you know, are things perfect on this Michigan team? No, but I- I'm looking forward to another uh, a clash of Michigan and Ohio State. You're hopefully for the Big Ten title, uh, you know, and it's, I'm just, dude, I'm so jacked for the, uh, the first uh, full weeks of the NFL schedule, and uh, and looking towards maybe a, a Philadelphia Eagles win against the Washington Redskins, then, huh? <laughs> and like that, that's for sure. And uh, we appreciate you jumping on. Uh, certainly, we'll, we'll be talking to you a lot uh, this season as our official NFL uh, contributor, uh, so people can follow you on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, how can yeah. they do that? Yeah, man, hit me up on Twitter, K-R-A-C-Z-E, and, uh, you know, I'll be tweeting all things NFL. And, you know, after listening to your college football experts here, I'll, I'm going to try and uh, pay a little more attention to the college game and tweet about that too. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There I'll you go. Anytime, time. You know that. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, uh, we, Rick. We'd love to have you here. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed. Good talking yep. to you again. Rick, Rick, where can people find your work, masterpieces, uh, talk about Star Wars and all that good stuff? Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's at, at Reagan underscore Rick on Twitter. Uh, you know, also check out at uh, Mbets Indiana at uh, Evansville Post 84. Uh, all on Twitter. You know, get out your local Mbets Post, support local veterans. Uh, you know, see what they got to offer and get involved. It'd be a great thing for the, uh, you know, for the state here in Indiana. Get out your local Mbets Post. Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us every week at this time to uh, BS about sports. Uh, in, uh, where can people find your work, masterpieces, and what have you? 
uh, at my house on my bathroom wall is where I write most of it. So uh, you can come by and just check it out. So, uh, on, on, uh, on Twitter, at Mo Radio Show. All right, guys, you have yourself a, a good and safe weekend. we got to call it a day. My name is Tom Mark. with the El Presidente. Remember, if you're down there in Florida, keep safe, guys. It isn't cool. Don't be a hero. Don't drink and drive. That's not cool. My name is Tom Mark. with El Presidente. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.